once again to the Crash Chords Podcast. I am Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon. I'm John. I'm Steve. And unless, of course, this is your first listen, then welcome to the Crash Chords Podcast. But if you've listened to at least one other episode, it's welcome back to the Crash Chords Podcast. True. Just, you know. A little more excitement, a little more pep. Variety. Welcome indeed. Yes. I don't know. That's an odd number to start on, number 248, unless you are a fan of today's band and getting into it because of Could that. Could be. SEO like, and all that. Yeah, but like. 248 is not a, a really good number to jump into. 250, 100, I don't think... like round numbers, multiples of fives, those work really well. True, but I sometimes go back to those, like in other podcasts, I'll go back to the round numbers to see what they did in their round number, but I usually don't say, I'm going to get involved in this podcast as a result of that Usually round I just get involved with the most recent episode, which is why I was thinking that. Because like I just started listening to My Brother, My Brother and Me, which is a podcast by the McElroy Brothers, and... Um, I started with the newest episode. Same for um, Player One. Player One or Ready Player One? I don't remember the name of the podcast. Ready Player One is a the book. book. So I think it's just player the Player One podcast. Mm. Yeah, no. I'm... Anyway, <laughs> welcome indeed. Um, this week is my pick. I brought a band called Beach Fossils. Um, I was on a masterful quest today to bring an indie rock band that was kind of just indie rock. Me and Steve had had a discussion off the air about a mutual band that we both really like, Phoenix, and how their most recent album, while okay, might not be ripe for discussion and also isn't possibly standing up to their previous work, so we're, we're both hesitant to bring it on. And so I was on a quest to kind of fill that hole. So I'm not kind of on the easier side, summer listening, something I can kind of groove to. And I discovered the Beach Fossils, specifically the song Saint Ivy, which is what brought me, which is the third track on this album, to them. Um, for those who don't know, um, the album we're reviewing today, Somersault, by, as I said, Beach Fossils, is their third record. They are an American indie rock band hailing from our, well, my hometown of Brooklyn, New York. Um, We're Brooklyn adjacent. Yeah, essentially. I mean, <laughs> yeah. technically my hometown is Staten Island. No, actually, I was born in Brooklyn and then moved to Staten Island. So technically my hometown is still Brooklyn. Um, I, I, uh, I was only there. barely a Staten Islander because my mother and father only moved to Staten Island like right before I was born. So I could have been a Californian. I could have officially been a Californian and oh, then God. become a New Yorker. That would be worse. I, I am... Worse? <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> we are gonna have words. After you the should podcast. have words. I, I can I can not claim to be anything besides a Staten Islander. Fifty Fair years enough. they have owned that Staten Island house. Wow. Yeah. That's that's longevity. Yep. I mean that's nothing. It's the blink of an eye according to history. Oh wait, sixty. <laughs> sixty years. Yeah, and the Brits are still going, Good for you. Much, yeah. Um but I chose this band because I can't remember the last time we actually did take on a, a local band. I mean, they have a claim and a following, but like I can't remember the last time I picked a band from New York or from Brooklyn specifically. And also, again, listening to St. Ivy and then the rest of the album, it did fill the void in that moment for what I was looking for. And there were some other curiosities that really made me want to take it on. And so I brought that here. Um, I don't think it's necessary to get into the finger quotes history of the band because they're still relatively new. Um, they formed in 2009, which all things considered is fairly new based on our standards at least. We've gone through a lot of bands from we're like the 80s. We're getting up there. Yeah. I mean, it is almost a decade since 2009. You know, we're yeah. getting there. It's been yeah. eight years. Some bands are on like their 8th, 10th, 15th release when we finally get to them, and they're like 30, 40 years old. True. If they yeah. re release albums sparsely, then 2009 is not that old. Yeah. Yes, that's for sure. Well, like I said, this is their third record, and 
I guess what really attracted me to it besides, you know, the Spotify suggestion, yada yada algorithm, that's actually what it's called. It's the yada yada algorithm. I don't know if you've seen that. I don't know if you're bullshitting me or not. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. That's I cannot one. pick this. this it's, that, sounds like a, that sounds, it sounds like, like a thing, like, though. Yeah, it sounds like a thing. Um, pick them apart. But uh, it was an album that was suggested to me based on other stuff I'd been listening to, and um, I dove in, and I really dug it. So I brought it here, see if it stands up to our group analysis, and also how effectively I can be an advocate for it, because I do really, truly enjoy it. And it is above a 3.5 at the minimum, though, you know, our criteria that we've kind of been using at this point for the advocacy, that it has to at least pass muster in the average area and go beyond at least a little bit. Where you feel you have positive things to say and can defend it to a crowd if we absolutely hate it. Right, which... I, I, it's something that's bound to happen. And eventually. It, it does seem to happen here and we there a little bit. We have definitely been getting more contentious weeks if you haven't yeah. noticed recently. Which yeah. I think is something that we kind of lost for a little while because we were, like, when we brought on, what was it, when you suggested we did an all-pick for Chili Peppers, we were pretty much all on the same page and it was a love fest. And True. so, like, it's nice to argue a bit. It I mean, is. John, that, was, that was supposed to be the whole point of the show and then we got a little too samey. So yeah. I think this was overall a pretty good decision. But anyway. But you have both uh Dovin and Doug, as you said, this yes. album. Uh, I think, believe that's Do- my correct Dovin, part- participles. Do- is Dovin Divin- correct? D- d- dived, dived, no, no, dived, it's and dug. We're in two separate words here. Remember, that's true. It has to be. Do- uh, no, dove. it has to be not Dovin. Dove. Not Dovin. It's got to be Dove. It's, it's Dove. Dovin. Dovin. Sounds like Coven. Well, we're just making all sorts of connections just here. One letter off. Anyway, you you went through it yes. pretty thoroughly, and uh-huh. actually, as I really respect the choice behind a project like this, because it actually does inadvertently go back to something we tried to do really, really early on the show, or rather I tried to do, in terms of introducing the quintessential, as I saw it, summer rock band. Yeah. Like, or summer album, rather. And that, that's kind of tricky, because how the hell do you break that down in terms of, like, clinically, you know, by the numbers, this is what it's doing that fills all said criteria for a summer rock band. I it, diagnosed this as a summer album. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, that's that's just so left up to who you are. And yet I did try to do that with the Young Veins, uh, Take a Vacation, back in episode 9, which is a really long time ago. And I do think we are going to try to make it at least a tad more clinical today, because at the time, there was a little more of... I take it for granted. I presented the album because it was done by a crew, a offshoot of Panic at the Disco, uh, that were creating an album basically in the style of like 1960s rock. Yeah. Now this doesn't quite have that homage to it, bald face. You know, yeah. it, it's it's there, but in some loose threads and loose connections. I would still call it a modern 21st century indie rock band with a lot of influences, but yet they f- still serve the same purpose. I could find it in the same playlist, uh, albeit for 2017 and not 2010. Well, and also, like, I, I've often said that I am sad that the Young Veins didn't do other works because I dug that album so much. And so this also did scratch that itch a bit as well. Yep. And that's what Phoenix has kind of always done. They've always kind of lived in that realm. And bands like Phoenix, the kind of slower, more mellow indie rock bands. Yeah, yeah like, heyday, that would have been circa 1999 to, like, 05. Like, really when it became... Uh, it identified what summer sound was going to be in a right. lot of ways because it, it shifted from like the pop pop yeah like the very pop the Britney Spears NSYNC Backstreet Boys style yeah to something that was I guess you could say it's 
unobtrusive in a lot of ways. Like it's supposed to be a relaxing. It's supposed to be the sort of thing that you you can grill to, you can swim to, you can relax to, you can sunbathe to, you can climb a tree. You have to do outdoor things, but it has to be non-intrusive. <laughs> well, also mm. a lot of bands went in that direction. I mean, even think of bands like 311 and their song Amber or the later Sugar Ray tracks. Like they all tried to capture that summer feel and it was less about making heavy tracks or tracks with the, you know, they would, ha- they would have at least a track on their album that was an ode to summer Part of or me summer feels it was more of their mo as a band and less their project as an album. Yeah, you know? and I don't know. I don't know exactly what Beach Fossils is going to do for the rest of their career. I do think though that based on their band name, Beach Fossils sounds like it would be much more heavily pest inspired. Mm-hmm. You know, things just dug up fossils on the beach. Like it sounds like it's going to be a Beach Boys homage through and through. Right, but I think also what is interesting about trying to diagnose a summer jam, as it were, is everyone has a different idea of what they associate with summer. Like, I think Young Vane's Take a Vacation was pretty universal because it was just so lighthearted and kind of joy-filled that you imagine, like, the most crystalline vision of summer is the beach and smiles and swimming and hanging out. But, you know, the Beach Boys kind of cornered the market on at least the stereotypical view of that in the modern age. Well, surf rock, for sure, is like, you know, the summer indie rock of its time, for sure. Because, I mean, that's all beach rock was really designed to do was to make you want to dance or sing along or hang out. But that's why I'm surprised because this album really doesn't, like, it's not as heavy. We'll find instances of it but it's not their MO. It is not the same, like, style study project that the Young Veins was. Sure. Uh, No, I agree wholeheartedly. There's definitely modernization in this and there's definitely um, things that set it apart but I think the similarity for me is big is in this summer album, summer jam as you're describing and I think it is interesting to try and uh, uh, take take yourself out of that, but also allow yourself to fall into it. I think it, it's a give and take for this. I think also having a discussion, as we are, at the top at half of this episode except instead of the tail end, which it seems like is happening, yeah. Also, yeah, we're going for it. also <laughs> pushes further away the album cover discussion, which we're going to get to in a minute, because... There's not a lot to talk about, but my last point... Oh, I'm excited to talk about... I've been waiting for an album (laughs) cover like this since we started doing album covers. But um, one of the things that I want to say about this kind of seasonal album, as it were, is that I definitely do have albums that I prefer to listen to in the winter, prefer to listen to in the summer, the spring, or whatever. Like, just like I have certain songs, albeit comedic or not, like First of May by Jonathan Colton is about uh, outdoor fucking... Starts today is the chorus, you know, (laughs) and it's like it's about fucking outside May 1st issues that in but it is a seasonal song like when May 1st rolls around I think of that really great song by Jonathan Colton because Mm. it references a specific date and talks about summertime and having sex outside which which is you know goofy but still sticks in my head but there's there's also a problem when trying to like present that sort of representation in your music as being a a summary kind of a piece when you talk about in media how we've kind of idolized what summer represents to us um like going back to in my own personal history something like the sandlot is the perfect explanation of what i should expect for my summers especially when i was younger but even like nowadays you're going to you know be able to go outside you're going to be able to enjoy yourself it's going to be a little bit more ad hoc um, there's always going to be a summer romance of some sort or another not necessarily you but somebody is going to have a summer romance I and think- these sort of things um, became kind of ubiquitous when you have 
some of the bands that I kind of, you know, associate with the summer tunes, with the summer hits, would be like Death Cab for Cutie or Coldplay. Both are on my mind because of this album. But in general, like, they have those sort of hits that were just, like, popular for a while, popular for a summer, and captured not that summer. That's where lines start getting drawn. They don't capture that summer. They capture just a vacation, that, that summertime vacation, that summertime off from work maybe for a little bit or something like that, but not identifiably that year or, or that experience or something like that. Other bands that have come and gone, like Plain White Tees, to me are the, the quintessential summer band of like the, the early 21st century. Two things. Uh, first being, I think it should be fairly telling that some of the earliest motion pictures uh, that were ever developed when the technology was still in like the experimental phase, late 1880s, early 1890s, were basically just images, motion pictures of people having fun in the summer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whether it was just out in their yard or, you know, the old bathing suits just watching the, yeah. the scores of people, you know, just hanging out. Part of this, of course, was due to the limitation of the technology. You really needed light, like a lot of light, and summer yeah. was the great uh, great time to get all that light. But a lot of it was also just, you know, scenes of what we like to do, what we kind of look forward to sometimes all year round is mm-hmm. just hanging out in a weather-conducive environment, you know, with our friends. I don't know. I guess that's why the summer album probably to me has more of more cultural significance than any other season. I'm sure. sure I'm sure there are those associations with other seasons, but usually they're more specific, like they actually are talking about the season. A oh, summer sure. album, interestingly, doesn't have to be talking about the summer for me to feel it in a certain way. And part of this is all just conditioning. You know, you listen to a certain variety of albums that were called summer albums to you, or you were simply listening to them during the summer, right. and that becomes the summer album. I, I, I don't know. But uh, the second thing, based on what you said, we should... Remember that, you know, just recently in episode 237, we did do an album that professed to be a summer album right out of the gate. Atlas? No. I mean, you know, yeah, but by that... FM84, under, that was almost the, the exact wording in the description, uh, under the light of a fading summer sun or something yeah. like that. That was what the album was to be, and yet we didn't find the connection with it, probably because that, that type of music was just never our summer it was yeah. a whole mess of other things too but i do think that was part of it you know that there was a personal connection there that mir- miraculously or in this case poor for the artist the three of us were not able to latch on to or find that personal connection even to empathize with well right i think uh, for me personally and my music tastes i always go back to how uh, alt rock when it started like in the in the early to mid 90s like the things that i consider alt rock that have all more or less moved on to pop rock um Reminded me of my summers, like bands like Eve Six and Matchbox Twenty and Third Eye Blind. Like I listened to them a lot in my early summers when I was like going out more and doing things on my own. You also were probably home more in the morning and turned on MTV yeah. and that sort of and stuff. And so, but so I associate bands like this with that kind of alt rock scene. Modern indie rock to me now is what alt rock was back then. Whereas right. now alt rock sort of doesn't sort of doesn't exist that's a whole other thing well it's also like for my final point like it's easy to associate music like this even though it was not used in this film but my penultimate i guess i would want to say is stand by me like that to me represents like a summer a summer to remember and when you think of some of the scenes like the ones that really stuck out to me is traveling along the train train tracks this music could like 
meshed right in perfectly. Yeah, it's like when we did when we did Life is Strange and they have the train track scene. Like we all three of us were like, oh yeah, the train track the bus scene. scene here, yeah. that yeah. bus scene, yeah. Yeah, like that's all stuff that we associate with our summers because we did similar things. Even if we weren't walking the train tracks, we all walked along a busy street waiting for the bus or walking to the next bus stop or something. You know, we had like that. we had that green belt in the middle of Staten Island. Exactly. A nice little walk through that. You know, yeah, little adventures in your own little universe. And you that's know, when what... it can be kind of quaint when you're a child and yet seem so vast. I I think that's a great connection to this album because I think that's kind of where I'm drawing a lot of uh, identity yeah. from it. That said, I also know that summer albums, I just know it when I hear it. Yeah. I'm not sure I can really like stack the criteria, but we'll get into that as we have a, a sample study. And we all seem to, since this was our topic, we all seem to have kind of felt that in some sense about this album. Let's start with a cover that doesn't give any hint to this whatsoever. And I know I, I, you might find this ridiculous that I've been waiting to review a cover like this to actually discuss what because it, it's the white album it's 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 the black album it's so many other albums that just didn't bother it has precious few details on it what what is there to say by all by all stretches it's it's probably one of the laziest album covers out there at least you 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 know it doesn't take a lot of work to produce an album cover like that i i would imagine that's true i'm no art buff you know but i don't think it takes a lot of work i think it took an impulse and said that's what i want and there you have it so what are the implications in something like this because of course people think of other albums where people were pretty convinced that the artist had just completely checked out on that particular project such as the white album and several others in their respective colors sure i mean but there are still some things here to talk about i mean so there are so the the majority of the album cover is this off-white gray textured color it looks like paper uh, I would even say um, construction paper. Construction paper or wallpaper. Maybe resume that. paper. Or resume paper, sure. It, it's got, the, yeah, that off-white. The texture. Yep. But, it's um, bone. Beach fossils is in the <laughs> upper right-hand corner. Um, beach with fossils underneath it in a rectangle. And then the in tiny, tiny print next to it, at least on this image that I'm looking at, um, you have Somersault, which is the album title. And the only thing that can even garner any real discussion is the logo for the band and the album because there is some design choice there. Beach Fossils, it's not beach followed by fossils, it's below. And then Somersault is vertical next to it. You don't find discussion points in the monochrome 99% of that no, album? No, hang on, hang on, hang on. I got something to say first. First, uh, uh, the actual logo work is, I believe, meant to represent a stamp of some sort. Like, they're just basically stamping this album with their name and information and everything like that. So, there you go. <laughs> this is us. But that in and of itself would be a statement as... Um, Almost like they're both putting their approval on this piece as a representation of what they are, as well as showing that kind of. And I know it, I'm gonna. It, I, I wanted to sound a little bit bad, but it sounds worse coming out this way. Kind of a hipster, like we don't give it f. Just all right, cool. We're gonna be different. People and we're just didn't like give that. an f before hipsters. I'm just saying. Yeah, but it rock feels stars like, mostly. It feels like it's got that kind of hipster slant on it potentially. They were called Bohemians and and Beats and various other things that were basically okay. Just then we we'll also call them pre-hipster hipsters, Bohemians and Beats and everything like that. The hipstered. <laughs> yes. Um, the actual cover as an entire piece. Okay. Uh, I don't like a lot of modern, edgy art. 
I think that should come as no surprise to listeners of our show when we've had discussions about the visual arts. Um, mostly because I just scratch my head and go, don't, and go, I don't know. I don't know. Why? Why just put a little dot? <laughs> but this is, this is a step in between something that would be, you know, classically artistic and something that would be minimalism. It, it does have wording. It does have that, quote, stamp of approval as I see it on it. But it still is very plain. It's, it's very forgettable. It almost has a imprinting-like quality on top of it. I mean, it's not reflective like a mirror or anything like that. Like, that that would be one of those either really verbose and awesome or really verbose and terrible. Make, make your cover a mirror. Something like that if you want to speak to someone's soul. That's pretentious. This, this That's is awesome. Some... <laughs> How has that not been done? <laughs> I, good question. But here, we're talking about something. It's, it's more like, yes, they put their stamp in the upper right-hand corner. It's there. This is their work, but they're almost inviting you to add something to it. That all right? That you just stumbled upon what basically is my defense, and it's a fairly simplistic defense. You all saw it coming, but come on. I mean, in in terms of the amount of details that artists like to add in their albums, be they the track titles, the lyrics obviously would be dominant among them, and then finally the album cover itself, just the visual. If it's the only visual they get, you get one. You get one still shot. Technically two. If it's a real album cover, got, there's a back. Yeah, yeah, it. all right. You get the back, and maybe you get a little bit in the side, and then, of course, it's the, 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 inside, the book jacket, the yeah, all that stuff. Anyway, point is... First impressions, First though. impressions. It's still in the box. You don't have access to any of that stuff, and most people do not flip it over. <laughs> uh, well, they might. Nevertheless, it's all, it's all additional. It's yeah. all add-on. It all is just to manipulate you a little further before you've even heard the music and i know this is pretentious but shouldn't the music speak for itself and isn't that kind of a statement right there the music will speak for itself it's bold that's exactly what i was going to say like an album cover like this just goes this is our album the music will speak for itself. Which is it's why confident. It's very, I don't easy, even view it's very it as easy to say that's lazy, but it's also ballsy. And see, I don't think it's lazy at all. I think it's confident. I don't yeah. think it's pretentious. I don't think it's hipstery. I just think it's confident. You're releasing an album that you want to speak for. Think about the Black Album by Metallica, where if you look carefully, you can see a coiled snake, but for the most part, it's all black. The idea behind that is we're releasing pure darkness, but also here's an album. Who cares what the hell's on the cover? This is our best work, which is arguably what people say about the Black Album. Think about the White Album, too. Like, literally, they're releasing things that are considered to be some of their greatest work, and they're not telling you what to think. Here's our work. Again, as a a personal fan of the now kind of defunct practice of classical music nomenclature, like, come on, Sonata number 15, no one takes that seriously nowadays, and I think that's kind of sad, because that was also equally ballsy. I mean... People just want more connections to, to their music, I, I guess, to fill in more blanks. And I, I, I really, really appreciate when an artist just says, no, I'm a musician. It's about the music. Well, sure, but I think part of it is also the musician's connection to it also. Like, when they title a song, it's because it's what they feel the title of that song should be. It's their connection as well. Yeah. It's not just for the for the listener, but I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, we went into some really unusual titles with bands and individuals like Aphex. Yeah. With... Just like, well, yeah, he's giving you nothing files. there. No, you're getting gonna, file names. Yeah, it, it can That's be very close to what you're talking about. It can be very provocative to do, I guess, a little bit of everything, but but it's all something. But what about nothing? Leave room for nothing. 
I, I don't, don't know think, how don't, to follow that up. Don't think about that too deeply. Leave room for nothing, as in never leave room, or or leave room for the absence of something. Exactly. Which is there? It's 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 a double entendre. He's speaking in he's speaking in tongues. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's, that's I too profound to follow. Really, yeah. let's just get into the album at this point. So, that's what a cup of coffee let's, does. Let's dive into Somersault by Beach Fossils, track one this year. Um, to start instrumentally. Like I said, I had started with St. Ivy, which is track three, which we'll get to. This song, when I listened to the album as a whole, I went, okay, this sounds like pretty standard uh, indie rock. It's a strummy guitar to start. Let's get, let's get through all the instrumentation, yeah, in yeah. fact. Um, starts with, off with, the first thing yeah, I noticed is the bass. And the bass yeah, does true. anchor it back a little bit in time. It is kind of what brought me back to the beach rock thing slightly because of the mixing of it. Less, See, and I feel less like than the, what it was playing. And I feel like the strummy guitar that follows was more rooted in beach rock to me. You know what? Yeah, just as much. Just as much. And it felt like a, almost a yeah, steel acoustic, mm-hmm. I think. Or uh, it might have just had a resonator on it. Yeah, an electric guitar that has a little bit of just something. Something. Thing. I don't know that old. I don't know. Je ne sais quoi. I don't know their 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 uh, their effect pedals well enough. <laughs> Nevertheless, there's I think only very precious few electric guitar for color in in the entire piece, and then the drums are kind of just holding it down, but working very very well with the bass. The entire piece, though, from its onset, uh, actually is beach. It's summer beach. It's laid back. You're not going to go swimming, maybe. It's not too hot out. You're more just there to enjoy it, maybe play volleyball. Still, yeah. you're definitely not getting wet. As it's... of this moment, I did both expect, maybe look forward to, and slightly fear that this was going to be a full-fledged 1960s, you know, homage yeah. to beach rock. But, but what we got vocally, did start setting it apart right away from yeah, me. Yeah, that's yes. nowhere to be found in, in the 60s as a decade, uh, for the most part. I, it's In terms of the stylistic choices, it's just far too much of a 2000s thing. In, in fact, really a 20-teens thing. It's starting to become kind of pervasive that people like when the vocals don't really sound like they're forefront and crooning, but mm-hmm. rather that they sound like they're distant, delicate, Ever so slightly on the ethereal side, but as as a whole, they're just a coding. There's very little in the way of vocal animation. They they sound a little bit dead inside, and I guess that's kind of vogue right now. I mean, I would say less dead inside and more, you know, just kind of easygoing and and leaning. It can come across, yeah, right. Dead inside has a negative connotation, but when you remove all semblance of vocal animation, of just, just. putting yourself out there and that actually personalizes you. I don't think this personalizes you and I believe that was his artistic choice to at least sound like even if he's not dead inside to sound like he is just kind of taking it all in. Mm-hmm. He's not really a forefront figure. He's the spotlight isn't on him necessarily. He's in a chair in the corner and these are his thoughts. That's only the style because the mixing though still brings him forward. And that's one thing I have to compliment it. And it's also very, you know, par for the course for this sort of stylistic choicing. It, Make it sure does. the mixing is clear. Make sure you can still understand him and still see him as a center stage character. Well, that's actually pretty amazing then that this melody and his vocal delivery was able to accomplish him sounding distant, despite that you're right. The mixing does have him very prominently, at least no more or less prominent than any other lead vocalist. So how was I able to get all this other stuff? It's all in delivery. Well, delivery is extremely important, and I think that was really well aided by the bass. And like you said, the bass is prominent, but I want to reiterate how prominent this bass is, because as much as these weak, loud vocals, as I'm just going to catch all column for the rest (laughs) of the album, these weak, loud vocals are a forefront character, 
the base in a lot of this becomes almost more impactful and louder overall than the vocals themselves. I think that is the the quirk, come to think of it, that really sends this back in time. It just feels like that the mixing when it comes to the instrumentation is more in line with something that came out of the 60s. Because it would have been harder to mix the bass away. And it, it actually yeah. would have been a, a failing of the 60s that you can't get rid of bass. That bass becomes too powerful. But this, I, I, it's obvious it was an artistic they choice. It. They used it. Yeah, and uh, the choice was, was, was great to actually both contrast and complement the vocals themselves. Because his pitch is definitely not on the lower register. We're, we're not talking about him matching up to the bass, but when the bass actually starts supporting it and working around his vocals, it's great. It comes through. And then when the bass does take center stage and gets complemented by something else, like, say, in that little musical hook with the strings, mm -hmm. it becomes was, something different. That was my favorite part. Well, and what's also interesting about um, the lead into that instrumental um, post-chorus, as it were. Hook. Right, it, it, but, it but, functions but, like a hook, but I, a musical. It, it functions like a hook, but I, I'm specifically talking about positioning here. Is that because it comes right after the actual chorus? What I like is leading into. So we have the strummy guitar pretty much throughout the intro and the verse. But when we hit the chorus, and this is pretty much every chorus throughout the song, you get this three chord progression on the guitar that. You could consider if it were the whole song might be dull, but because we go from a strummy guitar to focused on chords, it really makes the guitar pop. And then when it transitions into the string post-chorus, as we're calling it, instrumental hook, it's just a really great transition that keeps you pulled along with the instrumentation. Because I'm definitely focused more on the instruments here than the vocals, although I enjoy them. I have a feeling, although I could be wrong, but if memory serves, the verses as well, I think, were three-chord progression. But I think one of the reasons the chorus really sounds extra specially thin is because it is just that one yeah. line. And I don't know, it just sounds, everything sounds much simpler here. It, it was kind of a step down for a chorus. No, I won't be there in time. No, I won't be there in time. The melody is still nice, but I think I preferred the melody during the verses. But it was directly following the chorus that I, I enjoyed this most because then it really embellishes when the strings come yeah. in. These brief orchestral touches in this what I would call the musical hook. I especially enjoyed these little glissandos present and also that, that final glissando to jump to the very, very end of the track because mm -hmm. it uses the same hook and then it kind of just extends that and into nothing. And I, I'm also a little bit of a down on the chorus. It, it felt like it kind of boiled down a little bit too heavily to the drums themselves. So having that pickup, there was a slight pickup towards the end of each of the phrases, as well as that pickup for the hook right afterwards, um, and that expansive outro that they did comparatively. It made me enjoy the choruses, I think, a little bit more, only because it felt like it prepared me for for a bigger reveal because we go it, it has a very standard progression this song it's verse, verse chorus, chorus hook verse chorus hook we're not doing anything experimental here or anything like that but it's simplicity is actually one of its saving graces i don't need something experimental on something like this this is an introduction and as an introduction it's setting me up very well to hear you're gonna have a, a an easygoing time this is the sort of track that is supposed to be loved by everyone 
not not to the ends of the earth. You don't fall in love. You're just supposed to be able to play it like any time you're 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 relaxing. This is this works with it. It's high time I, I mentioned because uh, this was my specific experience involving this album that uh, I don't always get the chance to do this with every album, but I, I happened to go on a long trip out to Long Island this weekend and I was like, you know what? For right, those who is... don't live in New York, it's far from Brooklyn and Staten It's Island. well depending upon how far you go out Long Island. <laughs> this was like two also without two driving. thirds of the way out there, sort of. Um, and you know, you have a lot of time just sitting on the train. It's not like it's beautifully scenic or anything. You just kind of you see a lot of suburbia. That's all you really see. And you know, there's just there's that thing you do, I guess, on every trip where you wonder what each person's story is, where are they headed. I yeah. wonder. You know, I don't know. I think about these things when I go on long trips, uh, even short trips. We get it. You're an old even, man. Even it's on fine. the subway. Yeah. Any, all right. <laughs> everywhere. Everywhere I go, I think about these things. You know, people watch. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, people but watch. usually I people watch in parks, not on trains. I don't know why. I just do. Hmm. It's like in public, more circular, kind of scenic areas. Yeah, you get a panorama. Right. All right. Yeah. True. In focused, like, parallels, I don't as much. I but don't I don't why. wonder as much about someone's story when they're at a park because they're probably relaxing just like you. They're yeah, at a park for a very specific reason. But where are they going when they're on that train? That's what fair. are they thinking? I guess because is this I'm, a bad trip. It's a good trip. You my know. train association is with morning commutes. It's like they're all fucking going to work. That's well, all right. <laughs> that, that's one thing. But yeah, when it's a when it's a longer trip, you get to think about a lot more. And I realized something about this album that you know, I not every single thing conforms to the commute for me. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just like if you're traveling, then it can remove you a little bit because I always do prefer the intensive. You know, you're sitting in your room, the focus. To listen because mm-hmm. that's where you get more detail but I think that there's something about this this uh, track or at least about their musical style where I f- was it, it conformed itself to my surroundings almost too easily <laughs> and I thought that was really really fascinating just like wherever you are whatever you're, whatever vehicle you're in seeing sights kind of whizzing by you this the pace of the piece just kind of matched that almost inexplicably and I don't know I, I think that this was maybe partially there in the writing of it. I want to I want to extend that olive branch. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt for this because right. I think that they just considering the album cover and everything, I think they want you to conform this to your own experience more than as so many of our artists have done, laying it on thick with, this is me, this is about me. I'm sure the writing was, but they want you to become it in well, a way. Well, yeah, and I think also, and this is kind of my final point on this track, and also just kind of in the vein of what Steve is doing here, I think for me... It does that because this also feels more relaxed than a lot of the albums you've done of late. There's been a lot of either drama or focus or, you know, you know, strong narratives. And there's nothing wrong with all that stuff. But sometimes you also just want to take it easy. And I think this was the right album, right time for me, which is why I picked it to be an advocate for it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the song specifically, I think, because it's on the shorter side, it makes it a strong intro track for the album, but also I'd, I'd confidently say a strong intro track to the band. You know, I don't know the previous albums, the previous albums could be similar, they might not be, but as someone who's coming into this brand new, and now post having heard this album wants to go back to their older stuff, um, 
I think that's a real strong positive that they can kind of pull me in with this one track and it doesn't take a lot to do it. Like John said, it's not overly complicated and that's okay. It allows, it invites me in and I'm really accepting of it. And it takes a lot for me to even say like there is more sometimes outside of the intensive focus. There's more besides detail. Yes. Right? And I'm all about detail so I sometimes consider that to be of paramount importance but I don't believe that would be a fallacy because that's not what every artist writes for. Right. And so. when we talked about that listening environment, and we've talked about this at length, actually, listening environment affects your listen, and we try to be as varied as we can. Yeah. And if there's one thing, by the way, I could not relate to, it's that, no, I would not be there on time. I, my train was on time. I couldn't relate. I was, I was, I was yeah, really... It, I, fortunately, I, I was punctual. Fortunately for you, you're late everywhere else. Ouch. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I'm always waiting for him when I pick him up. I know. Two I know. Mi- two minutes. It's ten. It means ten. You always tell me to. I always multiply by five. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to track two. Track two, I mean ten. Tangerine. <laughs> and this is featuring uh, Rachel Goswell. Um, and you had said, John, what band is she from? Because I'm blanking on it now, of course. She's from Slow Dive. Oh, that's right. Slow Dive. We have you... collaborated with the Beach Fossils previously on, on Slow the... Dive's track, Allison. Yeah. And so there's clearly a uh, relationship between both bands. They've worked together several times. And I like seeing that kind of stuff. That's always fun because now it makes me want to check out more Slow Dive because if they've worked together, maybe, you know, it's that whole Spotify, Wikipedia rabbit hole. Yeah. If you see one band featuring another band and it you go to their works and leads to another band, it eventually leads to math. Yeah. Or Kevin that's Bacon. Wiki- no, no, no. It's the Wikipedia rule. Math. Uh, okay. But so this song, uh, the rhythm guitar is in a similar vein to the previous track. We've still got the the electric-ish sounding strummy guitar. This to me was even more conducive to traveling yeah. because this picked up the pace a little bit mm-hmm. and the, the groove itself though this time really has a great deal of motion to it. I particularly liked this overall rhythm. This one and four and three four one and four and three four. That just kind of coats most mm-hmm. of the central portion of this song. But it's also the tone of it because in that guitar you get those the, this these kind of twangy pitches. It's hard to describe. It's a little bit of a steel edge that you get in many guitars, but just mm-hmm. with a bit of a shade, a color. I want to like add a little stupid pretentious thing like it <laughs> sounded greener than usual things. I don't That's know. but No, it, it's there's something in it. I don't know what it is, but it, they're finding other ways to kind of circumvent the fact that Sure, there's a lot of four chord progression. There's a lot of like, there's a lot of looping involved in in this piece. It is overall a pop track. It shouldn't be like top shelf in terms of my go-to music, but yet it's finding ways around that, and I think most very successfully. But that's not the first thing I noticed. Not even close. The first thing I noticed was that the vocals got weaker and the bass got stronger, and the combination of the two felt better. Like the contrast just between the vocals seeming to even recede further from my ears and the bass. Not necessarily get louder, but have seemingly more movement. And I think that is in part because the rhythm did take a little bit of an upstep for me. I just, I was definitely liking this more. Until Rachel showed up and showed what you can do when you get a little bit more inventive. Because Dustin's first verse is passive. Like, extremely passive in its presentation. But... The chorus, when Miss Goswell comes in, she's still low-key, but passionate about it. Mm -hmm. Passionately quiet. And it really hits home for me. I'm going to play devil's advocate here and say I preferred the verse, and so I don't want to actually 
gloss over that verse, Dustin's verse, because of course, the, these, it's the melody here. And for, I know we had a huge discussion about melody just uh, yesterday, as far as our five-day event here is concerned, um, in Peasant by Richard Dawson, but th I, I think it actually is going to make a return today, and I'm really glad for it, because I love to see creative melodies. They always, that, that's, that's chief among one of the things that circumvent my, uh, my search for music with more detail, because melodies can get extremely detailed and do subtle little things that I think can really make a break a song for you, despite all else. And this time it comes down to just that long time it gets always blurring. It just holds that, that penultimate syllable of each line. And if you think you understand me, does it again there, I guess your eyes are all it can be, or I can be, something to that effect. But I don't know, I was drawn into the kind of drawled nature of it. I think that was what was particularly alluring here. So his pace is actually quite a bit slower than the overall groove, and that disparity is what made this melody work. And what's interesting to me is that I actually focused on several different things, and I'll get to how I feel about the vocals in a minute, but like for me, in the intro and then the verse, there was rhythm and lead guitar here, and sounded fairly different. The lead did step forward a bit, which I think also helped support the bass stepping forward as well, which really made it stand out. But what's interesting to me about the vocals is I actually enjoyed both the verse and the chorus, and didn't prefer one over the other, because I thought they were good complements. And later on in the track, when they harmonized, Harmonize, they work really well together too, but I think it's because this is the point in the album already where I feel like I, I have context for the vocals. Like they feel like they're almost falling out of their mouths, dripping off their lips, which is a really cool visual effect to associate with singing. And it's one of those instances where when you described it as such off air, I, I think that captures what these vocals are doing. And yeah, it, it's, that's again, not very animated. It sounds like they're just sitting in a chair in a corner, drooling a little bit, and these words are just, just pouring out. But it's, it's effective because it, it, it shows a kind of naturalness and a sort of a lack of pretension in many ways. Let the melody do all the work, almost the exact antithesis of what we had yesterday, where Richard Dawson was, in my opinion, still great melodies, but there was a lot of heavy emphasis there on inflection. And yeah. now you have hardly any inflection. So the melody obviously has to support it all. I it, There was inflection, but it was all in that chorus. And I want to just say uh, it wasn't the chorus versus the verse for me. Matt, because okay. you said you said you I I I did you not, said you I preferred the chorus. I thought no, I did not get to finish that. Oh, because okay. I have to wax eloquence on the chorus. But I agree that the verses were pretty amazing mm -hmm. for the reasons I gave. The chorus was just as amazing for how different it was from the verses. Yeah, specifically the word tangerine. Uh, yes, when she hits yeah. that word, everything tangerine, tangerine. It's yeah. like it reminds me of uh, piano fire from the Life is Strange soundtrack done by Sparkle Horse, mm -hmm. which is, it's indie. It's decisively kind of a folkish kind of an indie piece, mm -hmm. but it feels like a punk is doing it from the next room over. Sure. That combination of intensity and quietness just screams emotions at me, and it's it's hitting me here with tangerine. But a word that should not, in any context, make sense to hit any sort of emotion. Tangerine. I, I did think it was kind of a fish out of water at first. When I listened, like, when I first listened to the album, I thought tangerine was a weird standout-ish moment that didn't really match up with my experience of the track. And I'm like, what's with tangerine? What's the tangerine? It's all, I know all along what I see, what I need, nothing in between, everything tangerine. It still doesn't make any sense in context I don't, to I, me. It, 
like what it's a, if it's a metaphor it's missing me i okay i don't know if it works lyrically and that's something i i guess is a appropriate time for me to pick up because um there's not a lot on this album that i want to wax eloquence on lyrically there's nothing here word wise that so far and for a lot of this album that i really think quote speaks to me not speaks to you but can speak of you if you let it which yeah, is that's kind of what i described before it's less it impactful yourself, like, yes it's less about the impact of the words and more about their presentation and what you take from them yeah but uh, not a whole lot i'm taking from the physical words the actual you know alphabet that we're getting but I would make a Steve point here, as it were. I did finger quotes for those listening, which is everybody. Um, I'm getting all the context I could ever need and all the emotion I could ever need from the instrumentation in this song. I mean, even when the strings come in at about 157 and that they pretty much stay through the outro, like I'm feeling as much from that as the delivery of Tangerine. I think the instrumentation absolutely delivers all the emotional connection I need here. When those strings step in, I also noticed the rhythm section really doing kind of like an upheaval change up as far as the texture is concerned, though it keeps the rhythm going pretty smoothly. Mm -hmm. uh, tap and kick. Just tap and kick. Mm -hmm. And not tap, tap, taparoo on drums themselves, but the tapping of the sticks to yeah. keep most of the rhythm section in form. Uh, that, with just a couple of uh, hits on the drum every measure, changes a lot of the texture because now it becomes a little bit harsher even for something that is very passive it's it's it, it's kind of comes up up on you it kind of just you know takes that next step to go from background to yeah mid-ground there are i mean i think a lot of things about this this album inevitably sneak up on you because they're just you you're you're at a certain pace and you're not really actively anticipating things i don't think it sets it it actually serves to keep your expectations low which works to the album's advantage that may not sound like a resounding compliment but i think that's something that is very important keeping in mind when you're discussing arc you need to really treat people's expectations like a marionette and just slight little touches here and there pull the string ever so slightly all of a sudden you get a massive gesture based on just a slight little motion. And I, I, I think that's something that's very successful so far in uh, both of these tracks, but absolutely this track. Let's go to track three, Saint Ivy, which... So this, oh. this, this is the one that pulled me into this album. And so, first of all, a big difference for the record, but still fitting in the flow of the instrumentation, we get a drum and piano intro here. Piano is fitting where the guitar was previously, and it's beautiful. I mean, I really love the piano work in these early moments. And what's really interesting is then shortly after that, the piano is usurped by strings in the verse, and they're kind of filling in where the piano was. So it almost seems like a, a seamless transition. I I actually I don't outright disagree, but I have a problem. That was a fact of what happened. Well, you can't disagree no, no. because I stated facts of the song. No, <laughs> I actually disagree slightly with one of your word choices. Beautiful. I want to refine that a little bit more because beautiful is too ubiquitous. Of it's better than pretty, but I got to describe that intro a little okay. bit more. It took so you're not disagreeing with me. You want more detail. I, I have I have conflict with you. It okay. took me three words to describe it, but I'll let you go. Okay, give me three words and then I'm going. Steady, swiping, yet captivating. That's four. Yeah, yet is a word. Yet the is a yet, word. The yet. It's a I, word. I want to use a break. negative word in a positive sense. Plotting. Great plotting, great motion in it 
that it leads you along at at a saunter at just an easy stroll that I did not considering the the, the kind of pickup that we actually got for as low key as everything has been, as kind of shoegazy as everything has been, this this snuck up on me in a completely different way in that I was I was kind of being guided without even realizing it. It was bringing me forward. When the bass steps in and really starts supporting that piano without me realizing the bass was there. And I notice the bass. Every time it steps in on a track, I notice that it's there I because it's so forefront. But for me to not really realize it that by the time we get to the verse and that really like jukey string steps in and starts like almost an explosion of energy for this piece i was befuddled and i love being befuddled that it's like all of a sudden I'm, I'm i'm in a house i get led out of a room and i see something i did not expect even though my eyes were open well, it's interesting because the room that you were in is something that I do think was more familiar than other things on this album. This is sure. where I'm going to call in, induct, one might say, the uh, the the Beatles reference. Mm-hmm. I think this is not just, you know, this is not Beach Boys. This is Beatles, especially from the from the very beginning with the piano and the kind of slow jam. And then the second the strings come in, still Beatles because mm-hmm. that's very like something George Martin would do. Um, yeah, plotting is, is the word that you have me kind of on the fence with but a negative word for a positive effect yes i but it conflicts with my captivating word a little bit like plotting i guess plotting can be captivated but it's not where people's heads would go it's specifically the motion of just plotting along because i did not notice it i was captivated but it was a slow like not a saunter because i didn't feel a wiggle in my hips i didn't feel anything like that like i was actually traveling it was right. more a, a a tried-and-true path. Let's use this as, as, a, as a foothold to kind of push the song along, because it was a little plodding in the verse. I'll agree with that. I think it had a more positive connotation, but it actually takes a step further down in the chorus. This is where it actually became captivating to me. Mm-hmm. The chorus is when you get this beautiful call and response between the strings, which are played very similarly as to how they were played before, but now they are offset by just a just a, a, a quaver, just a, just a, an eighth note, and that is with a harp. Mm-hmm. A harp. I just, I, I melt for a harp whenever it appears, and it's not like it defines this track in any way, necessarily. The harp is used very, very subtly. It's just in this call and response, where you get string, harp, string, harp, bum, and it just kind of descends a little bit. But what's interesting is the drums are on a rise here. It's fairly low-key, but it's that, you know, dum bum 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 kind of yeah. build, but it's not overwhelming in it. So it allows that kind of dynamic between those two instruments for an interesting and fleshed out chorus, and instrumentally. Al- yeah, and also I think it has to do with, yeah, the lyrics, the fact that the lyrics also hold uh, that sort of penultimate syllable again. Yeah. Or, or I wish there could have, oh no, it's not that they hold it necessarily. It's actually more the, the syncopation of it. I wish that there could be another way, right? And you get that yeah. little punctuated thing, and then you get the call and response, right? Mm-hmm. But I know that you've made up your mind. You know that there's nothing left for me to say that could change, and it's another like bum bum bum, that could change your mind this time. There's something about those four lines, the way uh-huh. they're spaced, with where you get this beautiful insertion. Where it's, you know, it's not just a straight read through of these four lines, yeah. right? You get this time for the music to kind of answer the call, to come to the stage and actually 
recite what he's been saying uh because more recitation i think actually in the music then he's he's just kind of uttering really and i i I like that dynamic so far it's not something i come across too often subtle things and for me this isn't even my favorite part of the instrumentation in the track either because when we get to the the bridge instrumental, as it were, and uh-huh. there are many of those on this album, these, and I now, love you know them what? every time. These are not just bridge instrumentals; these are full fledged solos. That's true. I would agree. But when we get to the flute solo, though, that's when I really my ears perk up because it's not something that we hear a lot of. We've heard flute in plenty of albums we've reviewed, but here there is this focused moment for the flute to shine and really show some flair, which was really great. I really got wrapped up in it. I love the rolls too, specifically. Uh-huh. Uh, beautiful yeah. moments. It's it's not just that though. The way it leads back into the chorus with a, like a piano decaying effect, and then the electric guitar steps in. The combination and we get a of the solo two, for that too. Which... The, com- the combination of three like very far apart instruments as far as texture, flute, piano that's really weak, like not pianoing. It's just yeah. it's just there. Yeah. And electric guitar great effect fits right in with everything else that's going on nothing really feels odd because everything is introduced in such a way where all right you know electric like guitar tagged in. especially electric guitar yeah. just showing up and being like that almost abrasive chord but just enough all along the same melodic lines as everything else that you're just going okay cool some a little bit of energy you- it actually represents just energy, added energy to the track. But you know what's interesting is that this guitar, it still sounded kind of Beatles to me, but Mm -hmm. in another era of the Beatles, like their earlier careers. So this actually started by sort of referencing the later career when George Martin was probably a lot more present, you know, in terms of filling out the rest with crazy instrumentation and Paul was definitely playing piano a lot more in those days. But then it regresses a little bit and now you hear this like early career. I don't know if this is necessarily on Beach Fossil's mind. I don't know. But there seemed to be a more heavy, and I say that word loosely, there's a reference but it is not stuck in that era at all. Yeah. Especially when you have that interjection of the flute solo that is completely independent, actually sounds very jazzy, all, all mm-hmm. things considered. And then the transition to the guitar, I feel like it should have been campy. And there was no camp to be found whatsoever. No. It sounded like completely natural. And I'm, I'm actually trying to figure out what the hell this band's secret is. Yeah. It's like breaching into all of these areas where I want to invoke common Crash Chords critiques. And I don't have them for odd reasons. And I think what a strength that we're seeing here and starting to see a pattern with is they do a lot of instrumental outros, but there's no fading out on these forever playing instruments. You know, there's a final note, but I just love the way it kind of wraps in on itself as we get to the outro. And it, it's a it's a great mix of these instruments that have been introduced. It, there's also a little bit, and yet we get new instruments sometimes, a lot of times in the outros, but it's also... It's it's not a verse chorus verse chorus structure that they're building. They did tweak it a bit. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm, you can see it at this point in the album where it's verse chorus exposition verse chorus outro. And the outro is going to be drawing from the exhibition in between that chorus and the second verse, so that you know that you're going to get more of a experimental long form outro that might play around a little bit. Might be repetitive. Might not be. Doesn't really matter. You get a little bit of a preview. Which also lets things that are unusual, lets things that are different step in because you're already giving something familiar. It's like throwing ice cream on top of apple pie. You already know apple pie. You know it very well. But not everybody throws ice cream on top of it. It's that extra little flavor that can really kick it up just that extra little notch so that 
the outro does leave you in a great place without needing to go on for forever. Yeah, I'll, I'll conclude by saying that one reason this is absolutely working for me is because it's it's relaxing me. Mm-hmm. I just some music just does that to you. I feel like yeah. they did not set out to say, let's tell you a story. Like, so many artists are all about, this is the story, this is my music, this is my life, this yeah. is my everything, right? And not a lot feels like it's laid on the line here. It feels more like, just play some music. Well, and I Let's think just also, enjoy some music. I think also we've been very focused as a group on narrative and tell me something. Yeah. And, and so this is a, a nice, I think it's, a, again, I, it lends me back in this, I don't know if this will be in my wrap-up or not, but it's right place, right time for me as well. But let's move on to May 1st, um, which is track four, because... The, I think the thing that I can say blanketly about a lot of the intros on this record is to the songs is that we get a little something different every time. They might be serving similar functions, but sonically we're getting enough differentiation that I don't feel like, oh, it's another guitar and bass intro or another guitar. Like I don't, I don't feel bored or annoyed by any of it. I should have felt bored or annoyed by this introduction because this was a, a really... A- strum-oriented, acoustic, simplified guitar work with a rapid rise and slightly slower decay of the bass up and down on the chords. This, to me, felt like indie, period. Like, I felt that. As much as we haven't really genre much of it, we've more expressed our emotions and our locations for the previous tracks, this was quote indie it's the tone and mixing but, choices that yeah. put it yeah, in any it was, decade if ever it was really really solid though it was really enjoyable and it was partially the mixing the bass was on point i love the bass so far as much as the bass may not be you know jazz or something like that it may not yeah. be experimenting it is still solidly grounding me in a very happy place and that's not something I, I get too often from the base of a band. So for that, thank you. But there's a shift in the guitar work that really sets this track off for me. And that's when it goes from strum to pluck. And it's almost like there's a, 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 like a, a completely different instrument playing. Whether or not it is, I don't know. But once it starts actually just hitting solid lines as opposed to going along with everything else, I immediately broke out of my just relaxation and focused. I I felt like the band did the same exact thing. Well, and also what's interesting with this guitar work is that when it makes that transition, you know, the percussion is still staying fairly uh, steady, but then they bring in a tambourine that's not just, here's a tap and there's a tap. It, it's kicking in with the rhythm to really, um, I think, push the guitar forward. The tambourine is a nice sound that helps focus in on that guitar work as well. Yeah, there's lots of things that just kind of tie in, I guess, the rhythm to make it palatable, even though it is, in the face of it, fairly simple. Um, I do not think this was the best of the... It, we'd taken a little bit of a step down only because of the memorability factor. This track didn't stick with me as much as some of the previous melodies. Sometimes that's a little bit of that's a little bit important. And yet I did kind of like these lyrics here. I'd like to read these in full. The word is out for sleep, and you're just hanging on to the friends that you keep. I hear all over... Watch the land unfolding the night shine on. Sun goes down, time goes on. That line pair, the sun goes down, time goes on, of the chorus is so pared down musically, but I feel like it's more established than the rest of the track itself. It feels not profound, but deep enough that 
it's trying to paint a picture at least, or it's, it's leading me to want to. It's profoundly something. stated because yes. of the breath marks between each phrase, and so I do. I, I it, in many ways, this is one of those like you want to conform it to your life a little bit. Yes, and it's very easy to do that. This one has a lot of ability to project upon. Yeah, uh, and that even when it's it goes into that kind of laughy bit yeah. right after the chorus. And it's it's just you know enjoying and going along with it, and it's like yeah. that carefree moment where it's you're not throwing really, your hair. Not back. really laughing, but he does use yeah, the, like, the syllable ha 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 ha. Yeah, it's it's it wants you to try to infer something from it, or to make it something else, or to add a picture to it, or to do something to it. This that's a positive and a negative. The positive of it means that you can easily identify with it. You can easily project it. But the negative of it, I feel in some ways you do have to project on it to make a connection. Here, I don't think the the music is speaking for itself. It's speaking for what you wanted to say. And in, in a lot of ways, that's kind of like putting words in somebody's mouth. And that that is a little bit of a letdown for me. Well, yeah, but I think my favorite thing about the ha-ha-has that come in here is the call and response in the instrumentation. Before we had it with the harp. And the strings here, it's with the vocals and the guitar. Right, and right. It, and it adds dynamic that I think still keeps me invested, even if I don't necessarily have something to imprint on it. You still, yeah, you still have something new each section to kind of, yeah, to keep your attention yeah, amidst the, the rhythms that stay fairly constant and all that stuff. I do want to read that last stanza, though. You went out with the wind, dreary as you can be. You know you're right in the end. Wherever you've been, I know that you can make it on your own, my friend. Sun goes down, time goes on, and more haz. It, it's, it's just so... It feels more profound than it is. That sounds like an insult, but I think it's a compliment, because I think that, at least in terms of pop music standards, I think it is a success to conform it to your your being in a way and even even if that does maybe sacrifice a little bit of individuality or rather it only sacrifices the individuality out of the artist and that's not bad if if what you're getting as a result is a bunch of people who now see this in their own universe but they at least think that the artist made it for them and that that's that's yeah, that's multitasking. <laughs> well, and I would stipulate, instead of saying it sounds more profound than it is, just say that it sounds profound. Because th- at the end of the day, that's what matters. Is no, that only it because of the broad-brushed writing style. And I hear that. But I think at the end of the day, if it helps you go deep into thought and it makes you feel profound, then it doesn't matter what the context, complexity, and all of that other stuff yeah, is. Yeah, you're right. You can't feel profound. It simply is or it isn't. Exactly. To your circumstances currently. I didn't feel profound. I felt relaxed. I felt like I could easily mesh this up to something else. But there's also one big thing that we're not talking about for this track and how it is in some ways a part one to the two parts that we're getting right here because this piece goes directly into Rise. In fact, the yes. last yeah. chord of the outro it's the only is song. the intro and I of did not, Rise. I did not notice that the first time around because I didn't you know, look at the timestamp. Yeah. I was just listening straight on, on, the, uh, on the commute and I was actually very interested to see this massive part B appear. And it can be seen as... as a- Part a massive part I mean, I guarantee that Rise is meant to be connected, as it, they are the only two songs paired that way that go from one to the other without a stop. Which is interesting because that kind of almost uh, saves it in terms of one critique that I gave it in that four was just a little bit of a step down in terms of its individuality. Because now it looks like the early portion of the album is kind of segueing into this moment of clarification. 
much needed clarification at this point, considering everything else is just all conform to yourself, conform to yourself. You don't really have a frame of reference, and this suddenly gives you a frame of reference because now you don't have the same vocalist, or at least you don't have the same vocal delivery at all, and it is not the same vocalist. This actually features uh, an artist called Cities Aviv, and his delivery, although it's only shares one thing in common in terms of the, the previous vocals kind of professing but in not a very grand sense and kind of just saying their lyrics you still have the beautiful melody that kind of covers it up that kind of clouds it and like hey look just flow along with what i'm saying and now there's not the same flow here because this isn't even so much a rap track as it is just spoken word yeah it's... It, it really is just stated you can't even talk about aspects of delivery here because it's just it is what it is and thus you can really get the story I, I, you could talk about aspects of it. It has a similar inflection associated with R&B in those profound statement moments. It's still a statement, but that's where my mind actually went to, like almost immediately. It, it felt like it felt like an acoustic R&B track in a lot of ways. It, it had a, a very similar sort of like a, a soft one-two beat going along. Yeah, the saxophone that shows up. First, but see first that that's drones, me. which were texture and weren't identifiably sax. We're still not a hundred percent on that. That that was another like step towards acoustic R and B. But see, well, R and B, I imagine you're thinking R and B just because of the vocalist. But if you take away that vocalist, then you really have more jazz than anything else. Which is which why I feel like is... this is more seventy five percent jazz, twenty five percent R and B. Don't get me started on where the two cross over. They do. <laughs> they just do. And that's why this track, of course, sounds perfectly natural. Uh, the funny thing is, I actually had a, a experience in this track, kind of a deja vu feeling, where I was brought back to another artist that I don't get to mention on the show too much, but one of my favorite artists from sort of the pop jazz scene, and that's Jamie Cullum. Uh, his brand of jazz, which is very pop-focused. He likes to keep it all very pop-focused and approachable. He still likes to put in his crazy uh, jazz solos. And you do have here that, that both at once, sort of. You have these verses being uttered, and then beneath that, you have the single sax uh, in the background, which is kind of doing an extended solo in its own way. But then you also have the saxes that are just droning, just droning consistently. It sounds like a pair. Don't know if there's two or if it's one or if it's the same and just overlaid, you know, that old thing. But that that pairing of between what sounds like three saxophones, two background, one foreground, um, which even still is really secondary to him because he's the foreground, all of that was just working wonders. And you're right, the whole rhythm is very simple, just kick, snare, kick, snare, over and over and over again. It, it, it's amazing that this track should work on this album. Once again, I don't feel like I have the capacity to be very specific as to why it just works. It Because it, it doesn't seem like it should. You're taking these wild genre shifts. But see, I would argue that the instrumentation is the connecting point. I think even though it's very spoken word and very focused on vocals here, the instrumentation just makes it fit. Kick, I, snare, I mean, kick, snare. All you have is the drums that is in common. I don't think there's very much else. The saxophone, to me, I think is filling a similar gap that strings have in previous songs. That I will agree with. And yeah, that I, I, I right. Yes. That's true. And so but I think strings that's also are only present in a couple of songs. And I think these... But I think that the use of those instruments in previous songs is the same kind of on-point momentary usage of the of the sax here. So you're saying you have them in short-term memory and you carry over that into this experience. I think well, stylistically, it's, it fits the same. It's, it's 
the flute we got earlier, several of the piano pieces that came up, the strings that came up, and a lot of stuff that is coming up, it's showing a, a tendency to use something that may sound completely different from a previous idea. So you keep your bass, you keep your guitar, you keep your drums. Those those are going to be core identifying markers right. of your album. But then you add that fourth. That fourth will be a, a wild card kind of an element. Not particularly wild, not completely completely out there as far as the overall texture of the album goes because they they're they're made to fit within in this case the saxophone yes drones drones i couldn't identify a saxophone but then the little flourishes of texture allowed it to do what a lot of other things has done be introduced very slowly evolve as it goes along until it becomes almost as much of a focus as the lyrics themselves this sort of build up to something, to slow introduction, almost like you're you're approaching a new pet, someone you, an animal you haven't met before. You have to hold out your hand. You have to get them to know you. This is how they're treating us with these instruments. I we're they're a little bit wary of just giving us sax, so they let us work ourselves into it. I agree with that. I think that's exactly why the instrumentation is working. Yeah. I, I, my question was a little rhetorical. I want you to fill in the gaps. <laughs> yes, but it works so way as a segue in this expo. Well, so there we go. We're good at this. <laughs> no, but I want to get back to these lyrics here because, of course, that's what—that's the thing that is so interesting to me. I called it a clarification, and yet, of course, it's not like he's completely 100% clear about everything. I think it's more the fact that you hear it clearly. It feels like this was more of the journal entry, whereas the others were prepared songs that he could kind of you know, package as songs, because the second you put a melody over it, it, it has actually almost a distancing effect, despite the fact that melodies can also bring me incredibly close to the music. The interesting thing here is because now that you don't have the melody, and I don't have that source of attachment, I find myself in a little hollow space where I'm missing, I'm missing that, that layer that pushes me between ah this is an artistic project and suddenly now it feels a lot closer to me even though i don't understand 100 percent what is being said it feels a lot closer to me like this is an actual person telling me the tale and he's telling it in terms of abstractions as far as we're concerned 0505 you know trying to find the time and you you put me in a place somewhere between here there and the true and living ponder that Try not to think about the past. Second to none, I'm trying to make sense. It is, I feel, the way I feel about you is still see the past for what it was. And, you know, this kind of halted way I'm speaking may not be 100% what it was, but I do know that I had that experience also while listening, where I could not get a, like, full grammatical structure. I didn't feel like... I felt the declaration was completed. I always felt like I was in the middle of a clause and that a semicolon just kind of connected me over to the next thing because I couldn't kind of digest the full sentence and I don't believe that really is present here. He wrote this for these phrases to kind of flow from one to the next like a stream of consciousness. Without one of the one of the simplest tricks to do this would be to have implied endings, and there's no implications going on there. That's what I find very curious, and definitely a little bit more of a turn from what I was what you would normally get. What yeah. you would get as like a proper incomplete sentence and, on a piece and like this. What you'd expect from a spoken word, where normally you're getting a, you know specificity in abundance, and yet it's not beat poetry too. No, well, because no, it's not meant at all. to be conversational. 
It's it's like he's talking to you. It's like he sat you down on a park bench and he's telling you a tale. And I think that's why it comes across so easily too. No, is there's no. nothing intrusive or, or stark about it. I, I no- stick by my diary entry thing where you're not even sure of the words. Like it, it feels like something that one should be hesitant to divulge to someone else because you don't even know yet. So it, it involves a lot of trust in the other person and maybe that Maybe I just stumbled upon it there is why this is actually very effective as well because I feel like I've been entrusted to a story that is not even understood by the speaker. It's almost, if you want to go with the park bench, it's almost like you're eavesdropping on a conversation but not getting the whole piece. There's not enough content there for that story to show through, but you get the gist of it. Just by by hearing certain phrases and things like that, it's triggering effects in you so that you can let your mind wander in the general direction that you're going in. It's another guiding piece. Here, the lyrics are specifically doing what I felt piano work was doing previously or bass work was doing previously. It's... It's something that they're really good at, bringing you somewhere. You just need to kind of pick out the destination yourself, I guess. All right. I think we like this track. I do like this <laughs> I'm track. just out on a limb. Track six, Sugar. Oh, this melody. I love it. <laughs> See, when we're back to, like, the earlier stuff, but I think we've actually kind of we're back to actually the best of the earlier material so i actually really like how this you know they gave us something really bizarre and normally oh this is that moment on all albums where like we're gonna start we're gonna start stagnating a little bit and yet they're not stagnating in terms of melody they're still writing to the same caliber that they originally were and we went right back here and even that sounded natural that transition, in, I mean, it, they, like, they didn't just, like, okay, but you don't feel like you're just being thrown back or snapped back to the beginning of the album and we just forgot about a, a weird, really weird oddball of a track five. It feels like, again, the pace of it is actually keeping all these transitions in line and perfectly acceptable. Which is, I think, due to the fact that they're keeping everything simple. And that's, that's what's it, yeah. working in the favor. Without going over embellishing flourishes and stuff like that, without trying to do something where you're changing you know, your, your home or something like that, or you're, you're fooling around and taking half steps when you normally would take full steps or something like that and, up and down the scale. And one here, example here, Keeping for it instance. nice and simple and keeping everything grounded works in their favor. Like simplicity has been one of the best attributes of this album. And an example of that simplicity is the bass line here. Yes. The bass line is one thing that definitely did take a little bit of a step back. I'm not noticing it as much. It's still, it's very steady, but the drums were good on the other hand. So it, The it's, drums um, were verse-focused, though, yeah. because the chorus, I found a layer of texture that was... I, I expected something new because I keep expecting something new, but something subtle. And subtlety here showed up with that whining effect that was coming into play. When you're working with fairly simple chorus work, on the outside, on the outside, on the outside, change your mind. I'm feeling nothing, I'm feeling nothing. On the outside, change your mind. But when I'm feeling nothing comes in play here, when the chorus steps up on that, there's almost a buzzing effect going on. There's an extra layer of reverb on something that's going on right there that kind of creeps in Mm -hmm. and gives you first real, like, impact feeling of this album not impact location not impact presentation with the subtleties but here a feeling of unease an actual unease showing up in something that is very placid so far was surprisingly brisk for me surprisingly upright of a feeling for me 
Yeah, I, I had pretty much in the equivalent experience during that uh, course, and that's why it worked for me as well. It's just he's keeping he's keeping it. Oh, I don't want to using the word interesting is one of these things like. It's a word that I would use for more detailed material. It's not present for these kinds of uh, for these kinds of melodies. It's more just in terms of what I've occasionally referred to as staging, where it's just like you, you there's a there's a door behind the door, right? Or you pull up the next the next uh, scene backdrop, right? And there's something that okay, you know, you're still on a stage. You know, you're still looking at a scene backdrop. The room has not changed, but there's a little bit of a suspension of disbelief in that you really have been giving it a new setting. The fir- the the first thing had a, had one mural on it, and then the next thing has another mural on it, and you're you're invited to extend that that belief. I feel that way about these melodies. They're not like purely independent from one another. They have similarities in terms of writing style, but yet they do feel unique. I feel that they are evolving in some way. Let's get further into this piece because, of course, we have sort of a bridge up coming up later, but it's really more of an instrumental. I want to call it like a bridge instrumental again. Uh, this was just immensely relaxing at this stage. I was kind of just lost in the music, and again, that's not something you'd really expect to be lost in on a pop rock record. I mean, let's set expectations aside at this point. You know, I, we're, 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 we can only say so many times you wouldn't expect you to wouldn't be. Expect. Yeah. I, well, yeah, I guess you absolutely you should expect it now that you're on track six and you've had nothing but. That's what I'm sure. saying. But if I, this track six were the first track that someone else experienced by this band, I do think that each and every one of these tracks would give you the same pause. Probably, yeah. If, if you, you know, approach this kind of music with the same trepidation as I sometimes do. Both like it, enjoy it as atmosphere, but kind of am always wanting for more detail. Well, you do get detail and you get it here. Um, also to say about the song, though, because I don't want it to be a continued constant love fest for the whole album. There are some problems here. Like for me, the bass work, while it's never, it, in previous tracks, it wasn't always jumping out here very quickly probably about the first third of the song, it becomes a little redundant. Now, that's not to say that the other things don't make up for it. I think that they do. But I definitely did notice that the bass work here kind of hit a line and was just creating a backbone. Well, we did mention that. That was right. one of my first critiques on this yeah. track. And, and, so, was... and so I just want to agree with that here <laughs> and also let it transition into my my take on the bridge instrumental because I think what, what holds water for all the instrumentation on this album is that, yes, while I'm not getting avant-garde, completely complex and mind-boggling instrumentation, I think, like Steve, because I can kind of lean into it and just relax with it, I don't want that. I want something that I'm going to be absorbed by and move along with. I'm a little insulted that you had to say, like, Steve. I'm there, too. I'm, right. I'm there with a little bit of more distance between. Because but that's what this... I'm saying, is that you're not as... From track to track, as we've been discussing, and I know it becomes more a of a little... problem later, you are less relaxed than me and Steve are and are giving in less. You are more aware and cri- critical. And one of the big critiques I got going on this track is the bridge instrumental, is that two-pulse bass that's going on. Yeah, that's was, essentially what I was as saying. As the focus, it wasn't... It was doing what the drums were doing in previous tracks, and I wasn't super enticed by the drums in previous tracks. Not as a whole, not all around. So it replicating what the rhythm section was just kind of using as a... a, uh, a blanket to allow the instruments to step forward without the bass actually taking a step back it was still mixed very 
solidly forward. So it was a weird position to really feel like the rhythm was in my face as opposed to really backdrop, you know, out of left field, out of the way, not really intruding. Well, I, I did have one little positive sending off with this track, and I've mostly been pretty positive with it. I think actually Sugar is one of the best, but the the outro, the little freaky outro that they threw that, in here, oof. which uh, with the oscillation string strikes, like they oscillate while they strike, it's weird, but that that's what they choose to just kind of uh, let the track fade out on. It's, it's, it, it was very interesting to me because... I, I, on one hand, that is very indicative of the kind of like, hmm, this track, uh, maybe we need something else that's a little interesting. Like, But, but the, it's not the afterthought because it's an outro, and I didn't really see that intertwined in earlier material. No, it was it was used as a very brief little hook between the first chorus and the second verse. Before we really get into the nuts and bolts. It didn't bolts, have the oscillation effect, I don't think. Not the oscillation effect, but the strings coming in and doing something. Yeah, yeah, the strings, right. But now it's completely warped. It's just what they do. It's that introduced to something new, and then we're going to screw it up at the end of the track. It's it's what they do, and they do it well. They're actually they're they're adding color and texture without overcomplicating things. And it's... It's, to me, still a positive note. Um, I did not see it coming out of left field. It was one of the more interesting outros. I did enjoy it for that. It wasn't as verbose as, you know, electric guitar stepping in and feeling perfect in an acoustic setting. But it was enough of a statement that I remembered it. I, I still have an identity separate from the track itself for this outro. For the feeling it left me off on. So... It still works in the settings that they're choosing and in their stylistic choices. It's still a, a solid outro, even though it goes back into the chorus. Um, I still feel it has a an identity separate from the piece itself, an identity separate from just the words and the vocalization that we get with most of the outros, with most of these uh, hooks, the instrumental hooks that they're throwing in their pieces so that while everything feels uniform and these tracks are to my ear just a little bit bleeding together because just the choice of key and the choice of everything sounding so drawn from the same mold that they're still retaining individual aspects so i'm I'm, I'm gonna say that even though it's a little bit no no it still it still has enough of a kick to be itself i do want to you you mentioned it and it does have to be said i do think if you're not in the right frame of mind this album can put you to sleep like if you're not in the right frame of mind and it, it begs a lot from the listener and i do think that maybe it's even just coincidence that me and you were there matt I, can, you, can you at least I, concede that? I, no, I would argue that it begs as much to the listener as any other album we review on this podcast. I don't think it's any more or any less. I would argue that. But I'm like, argue, But I'm saying it's on a very specific thing right now. Like, I do think other albums, you know, they can be abrasive. And that'll beg, you know, that you have a, a threshold for that sort of thing. But they wouldn't put you to sleep as much I, as this I would album. Argue, I would argue that for understanding it... You, yes, but I think for... Uh, or Consider different types of listeners. I'm saying yes. for a specific crowd. Uh, sure, but again, I would argue not any more or less than a lot of the other albums we've reviewed that also require a specific listen or a listener. You're just saying in just, relativistic terms, you don't think it's any more than requiring a certain thing for a certain listener. Correct. Period. Yeah. 
that's yeah. isn't isn't that the reason why we bring on albums though? Yeah, like we I want mean, something that has something you have to pay attention to that is that's worth my argument. Looking here. for, I never remember. I didn't argue for relativistic terms. If that's probably true, that's probably true. But I'm saying that that is the specific thing. Okay, that that is the area would, where this album would suffer. I would con- I would concede that if you're not paying attention, you could easily gloss over or even sleep through this record. Yes, but again, we're reviewing it for the people who are paying attention. <laughs> yeah. Is ultimately what I'm that saying. Might well, be even we model. can't be at all places at once, even right. though we we do that. I guess as just the very nature of what we do. But I I wanted to put it out there. Track seven, closer everywhere. So we do get. Uh, an introduction to a new instrument for the record, but still not out of place for the style of what they're playing. We get a harpsichord here that does instantly make the early part of this track feel very Beatles, just because, you know, it's the way the focus is here to deliver the instrumentation. There's a lot of love and care, I think, in uh, way, the way the melody is constructed for this ra- this track from the get-go. Well, once again, George Martin notwithstanding, I don't want to say that the harpsichord is inherently a Beatles thing. Fair enough, yes. But I think there's... It's what it it's the pl- well, I think it's what it's playing, and it's the style that the harpsichord is playing that really reminds me of some of they the Beatles tracks. probably the first in the pop rock community to make use of the instrument. Fair enough. But I'm not hearing Beatles in the vocals. This is the first time that I feel like I'm identifying a different individual... Besides just Beach Fossils as the vocal stylings, and that's Coldplay. Yeah. Uh, the, the comparatively rapid attack of the beginning of lines to the long draw at the end, which isn't something new, but it's specific. The phrasing, it just feels so Coldplay. And that's a band I, it's hard not to like a lot of their vocalization. So for me to get. A slightly different flavor of it here. It's it's not completely different from Beach Fossils. It's not completely different from Coldplay. It's somewhere in between the two of them. It's similar on the ground that Coldplay is another band that I think can put you to sleep. But sometimes that's what you want. Or rather, uh, that you want an album that exists on the fringe of... I don't want to say unconsciousness, but that allows you to access the part of your mind that is a little bit less hyperactive. And I think that's important. Sure, and I think there's there's a, a, a distinct divide bes- between being relaxed and being put to sleep, too. I think some people, when they are at their most relaxed, will fall asleep. I think others can just kind of swim in a relaxation place. But and, I also don't want to say it's like ambient music or anything like no, that. No, Which is why I'm not. saying you're, it, it adheres to the less hyperactive, or you when you're in a less hyperactive state. This album thrives in that environment. I think what's important to point out about this track, though, is we are getting, I will I will lean only slightly, maybe listing lazily to the left to where John, even though he's to my right here, um, is saying. You know, here, besides the harpsichord being so prominent, and I still think the bridge instrumental is engaging in this track, I will agree that this track does tend to feel a little bit repetitive. There's two things here. First of all, there's a guitar solo that kind of repeats the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. But but that was nice. It was still a nice guitar solo. Yeah. But I want to stress it's actually followed up by something else, which is really more of the, I don't know, it's just a, it's an insert, it's a thing, whatever. Yeah. It, it's I don't want to call it really much of a bridge or anything, but it goes on for a while, longer, yeah. much longer than the guitar solo did, and that was just that sort of like, and two, and, and four, and, and two, and and for end, which was interesting. I kind of dug it actually for the first length and then 
it actually does that all the way to a fade out, I think. Yeah, it's... it does do it to a fade out. And this is that's that's something that I will admit that the fade out here is tasteful, though I I prefer when they just end their tracks and wrap them up. And we all know that the Crash Chords guys have a bias against fade outs. But I think here, because of the kind of steady feel of this track, fading out on it made sense because there was no real way to conclude it other than a sharp stop. Uh, I don't like to say there is never a way. All right, fair enough. I don't, I couldn't There are always ways in music. But this, I call it the odd clock. Because it has a, a timekeeping kind of a rhythm to it. Yeah. Uh, only because it's so prominent. It's it's usually where the bass is. Mm-hmm. Um, and the bass was a little bit of a letdown. Like, actually a letdown on this track for me, where I just felt like it wasn't pulling me as hard as usual. I was nonplussed. I, 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 I feel I enjoyed like it was it, there. I enjoyed it sonically alongside the harpsichord. Yeah. I thought that was a nice pairing. Uh, yeah, but I don't think, like, whereas John was disappointed by it, I felt like it was just kind of there. It, I wasn't disappointed or excited. I thought it paired well. Because I wasn't I was... impressed by the line, but I was just impressed by the sound of it as yeah. it related with other things. Agreed. But we get a solid minute, 55 seconds to a minute, because it starts around 2.20 on the track. Something like that, yeah. It was... It's only a three minute and sixteen ish, I think, is the exact timestamp on it. But not a long track, yeah. I actually did want that section to end early. I did want to leave it a lot sooner. When you're talking about a third of the track, and not just a third of the track, there was thirty plus seconds. So half the track is the outro. Yeah, half but- the track is that. That is a little bit much when I'm going so regularly one and and two and. Just that that three beat pulse was was a little bit too much. I, I'm still hesitant to say it was too long or to overstate its welcome or any of those things. And I'm not saying you're saying that. I'm just saying I want to avoid that. Oh, I am saying that. Okay, you are. Well, then I'm disagreeing. I think because it's still at its core, three minute sixteen second track. I think while the harpsichord didn't diversify throughout the track, I never really got tired of it. But time signature, the actual length of the track. As much as I was saying, it's a third to half the track of the outro. That actually shouldn't have any bearing. Three minutes plus to, instead of a ten minute track, shouldn't have any bearing on when I feel like they need to move on. Uh, And for me, I felt like they needed to move on from that pulse sooner than they did. I guess I just didn't feel like they needed to move on, but I wasn't roused at its stay either. I was just kind of in it and okay with it. If I may digress without completely digressing, I think we should be reading more lyrics on this album. Um, We've been reading plenty of lyrics, but no, yes, please. No, we're not really, because these, you know, we, we we're taking a little dribs and drabs, and I do think, it, yeah, it's, this is an easier album to take dribs and drabs and feel like you got the whole, but at least indulge in the fact that you get all these different bullet marks of very often kind of, I don't want to call all of them abstractions, but very often they're generalities that still, I think, allow you to ignore a lot of that uh, if, if you're caught up in, let's say, the repetitiveness of one thing, well, then try to at least get caught up in the picture that he's painting or the feelings that he is ever so gently putting across to you and inviting you to take part in. And I would just say really quickly before you read the lyrics that up until this point, I was getting more of that from the instrumentation, and so the lyrics weren't my go-to to dig more from. I got something from it, but I was still getting more emotion, feeling, and in-depth uh, being pulled into it from the instrumentation. But please, enlighten us with some of the lyrics from the track. You get a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, I'm crowded in the street, feel like I'm floating on the air, closer as we speak. 
I spent the morning here. I know you're somewhere over there, closer everywhere. I hear your voice inside my head. Can't remember what you said. Oh no. In the city that you know, can't let you take it slow. Read all the magazines I haven't shared for weeks, closer as we speak. They told the refugee, you know that nothing can be free, closer everywhere. I hear your voice inside my head. Can't remember what you said. Oh no. In the city that you know, can't let you take it slow. I, the pace, the pace of the music fits almost everything that I was describing, which, of course, you did say, Matt, that you were getting from the music. Mm-hmm. In terms of the just kind of, take it easy, take it back, just take it in for a mm-hmm. moment, and we all should all have the time to do that. I do believe there are other things there. There are other threads that are proposed, you know, just briefly here and there. But for all intents and purposes, it sounds like someone who is want for a... Uh, I suppose the the day-to-day, having a moment to, I guess, take it in. Mm -hmm. I I don't think there's... I I, I know that's very loose. That's extremely loose. But I believe that everything we've been saying, like, the environment in which this album would work, where, like, if you were just completely zoned out, right, and were just zoned into it, even though you don't have a whole lot to look at, it would enable you to, I guess, go into your own head a little bit more. Almost like it has some kind of therapeutic effect in a removed sense. Uh, Because it sounds like the character, whoever they are, has been desperately needing this form of therapy in a variety of ways, through a variety of uh, things in his life that are keeping him from it from accessing this in some way so the album is like self-therapeutic in a sense i i I, that's what i get from this sure it's it's as good as any yeah i don't really have a counter argument i think that makes as much sense as anything i would agree (laughs) let's let's go to track eight social jet lag actually this is very connected to everything i just described um because but it actually is quite a bit more concise in terms of the fact that that title Social jet lag basically tells all. I mean, this is this is something here that I, even though I said that I went in the whole tirade about how you know many pieces of music probably could serve themselves better to not title things to actually keep the vagueness, uh, keep it from not being accessible because that way you can conform to it. But then the second you have a title like Social Jet Lag, it actually does put so many other tracks on this album in perspective and your experience of it. Yeah. I mean, do I need to really explain what social jet lag implies? No, no, it's no, I it's don't like think so. it's, a, it's a momentary kind of like ah boom get it. Well yeah, and I think um, this is the only track that really has a soundbite quality to it because we get some, you know, it sounds like a public space and people milling about at the beginning of the track and at the tail end of the track. And I think that going from that into the piano still with those sounds kind of in the background makes it feel like a a, a lounged in public space a park the lobby of a hotel something like that but the beat has a pulse to it that's actually kind of interesting and, and a little bit of questioning for the album itself we don't usually see a rhythm section trying to set you on edge on this album but here they're they're going for it in a way that i didn't really expect it's more of a uh, I, the terminology I guess I would use is like trip hop. It's it's a it's a pulsier than what we've definitely been getting. It's it's mm. a lot more oriented, I guess, towards your heartbeat, which is in this case in this album we usually find in the bass. I guess here it's it's hitting you. It's trying to move you along. It's almost at odds with the album as a whole, which I do like, especially for 
the imagery that just the title evokes. It's a great way to sort of like set you a little bit on edge without, you know, really alienating you from the album itself, keeping the theme cohesive, but actually setting a, a more concrete setting than what we've really been getting here. The, a lot of the other settings are watercolors. Fill in that picturesque idea that you want to be placed in. Here, it actually seems to have direct correlation to to a specific idea, a specific event. Yeah, but what is that specific idea and specific event? A uncomfortable social setting. <sighs> but I feel like that's, that's as ethereal as, as, as everything big. else. Yeah. But and at the, least only... I'm being specific. At yeah, least I'm being... No, you're not. Well, you're you're yeah, not I'm... being any more specific than I felt the other tracks took me to. So I yeah. would disagree. Only difference is, of course, you have something... First of all, it sounds like we are hearing rain in the background yep. a little bit. I thought I also heard something that sounded like bicycle pedaling. Sure. I guess you really haven't had too many like sound bite material. No, yeah. The rest. That's, that's different. Um, and yet, for all that, I really love the instrumentation here. The... It's still, you know, simple piano chords and all that. Caught in a mist with the rain. And I do love the fact that it, it adds, it makes use of the full range of the piano, finally. You get those little high notes at the top, which is just beautiful. Those little touches finally at the end of the of the intro. But the, 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 the big thing here is the melody. The melody in this piece honestly transcended the music itself. You have to sing along to it. Um starting with say that you want me here and I'll find a door then you open up my hand where you want to go and then the chorus which has its own amazing melody and this is where we get some interesting um approach not just with the melody but rather with the the interspersions the 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 little moments where you actually get to breathe and the instrumentation kind of brings out the unique qualities of the melody this little editing moment where you have this like dun 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 in, can, between can't waste all our time over again, right? And then that dun dun dun, it it's it's it feels like it is edited. I it could be. It just I'll leave the door open where it could actually be struck, where the piano along with a couple of other instruments are striking with in, in intense precision, right? Just in time for it, you to write itself and go right back into the phrase. But that little dun-dun-dun, I'm pretty sure there's the hand of, of an editor, of a producer, just kind of clipping off the edge so you get the space between. You feel the mechanical restarting of the phrase. It, it, it's absolutely beautiful. And then when you factor in the fact that there's a, a, a trumpet with working in, it just kind of brings two worlds together. I think that... What really makes this track stand out for me, there's a brightness to this that the previous tracks didn't necessarily shoot forward. A lot of it was kind of a, I would call like a hazy glow, like a, you know, a sun behind the clouds kind of feeling. Whereas here, it just does feel brighter and bolder than the previous tracks, at least in where it takes me. I think that might actually be the lyrics. And this is a major compliment to them. I feel like there are focusing more readily on a character. And I think that character is actually showing through for you, um, both with the music and with what's being said. Verse two, make our way up to the roof, been awake for days, in the shadow of the night, I wanna fade away. I feel a lot more concrete about who the author is of this piece. I feel like he's actually explaining himself a little bit more instead of trying to allow me to dive into a world. He's showing me his world. For, for a moment that we don't we don't really get anywhere else on the album, at, at least to my ears. Because these lyrics, they're striking me more profoundly. Like, we had a, sort of a, a faux epic moment happening earlier, which I still think it wasn't 
profound. Here, this feels a lot more towards the being of a person other than myself. Yeah, but I would argue again that all the things I was just talking about, I'm pulling from the instrumentation. And I'm I not... Think it, but that's, that's where I want to make this connection. I think it's the music actually trying to do that in addition to the artist showing up vocally and lyrically this time. I think it's a combination of them all. Let's not cross, you know, wires here. When I, you know, I read the lyrics because I want to emphasize the fact that I had just said the melody is amazing. It's not that the lyrics, like, on their own are amazing. This is not top-tier poetry by any stretch. But the melodies that through which, to which they are set are amazing. So my instinct, what am I, I going to do? I'm in the same old melody problem. How do I describe these little quirks of the melody? I guess I better start kind of filling in that one little gap into this uh, this uh, podcast series because it seems to be the one where we all really, really struggle at. Or rather, I guess I do because I'm the one that's really trying to broadcast, advertise these melodies uh, very strongly because I think they can make or break the piece. So what do I do? Eh, I just read what is being said. But <laughs> that's not going to do it. You just have to listen to it. Uh, we are operating to some degree under the assumption that the people listening to this podcast are also listening to the music. The thing okay. is, the, even the kind of sort of boring in-between stuff in this track, I can kind of get lost in. And I do think, when I said it's bringing two worlds together, it, part of that is because of the instrumentation. And bring back that trumpet, well, I connect it to the sort of brassy sound of that is close to a saxophone, even though the saxophone is woodwind. Nevertheless, I feel like there is a connection there between that one of the songs that brought in that 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 other that other area of instrumentation right and now i have that connection here and plus i also have the connection of uh the two worlds between instrumentation on one hand and lyrics on the other hand may not sound as great if you just read it separately from the music but then when you connect that to what I was describing in the last track about feeling disconnected every once in a while to this concept of social jet lag and the regret inherent within can't waste all our time over again, I do, I am starting to feel the, uh, the speaker, just feel the character, the personality. Yes, and I'm not disagreeing that, y- I'm not trying to tell you guys that you're not feeling it, I'm just saying I'm getting more of who this person is from the instruments and the sonic Escape of these tracks than the actual lyrics spoken. I would meet you in the middle and say how it's sung is definitely a huge part of it. Okay. Okay. I all right. That that is weird because I'm not. Sh- we're only all half agreeing. Yes. Well, let's mosey our way to the next track and see if we can completely agree or not. Track nine down the line. So the the start of this track is actually reminiscent of our previous track on the album where we did get heavy drum and bass, heavy finger quotes, nothing's really heavy, but we get drum and bass in the forefront at the very start of the track. It, the guitar doesn't actually come in, I think, until the vocals do. This is another sonic pairing, which I thought was a match made in heaven. Um, the, son, the effect of, the, of course, the bass combined with that, what I believe was a guitar, a low register, You're playing in the yeah. low register, mm-hmm. and that was just stunning to me. I don't know, just the position where it was in, not necessarily what it was doing, I have to kind of draw the line there, but the sonic effect of it just period was actually just great for the rest of the track. I I could have, I was was satisfied there. And I was actually getting reminded in the chorus of another one of our bands that uh, we've talked about on this podcast, uh, Death Cab for Cutie. I mean, yeah. Specifically the pickup of the vocals in the chorus was reminding me of Death Cab. Another compliment, another like Oh, yeah, I'm getting reminded of other guys that are, yeah, it may be, quote, mainstream for Coldplay and Death Cab to be, like, 
in people's musical repertoire, but they were kind of fringy when they were first out. And this this band is reminding me of their really early stuff. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see those connections. I don't think I make a stark direct connection to a song, but I can definitely see where you're drawing from in that. Yeah, for death, for for the last two pieces, for any sort of like allusions I'm making, I don't think I, it's a specific song. It's sort of like the sonic scape these guys were doing in their first few albums. And while this song is not something that I disliked, I am at a loss for describing it because, like Steve said, and I'm in agreement, I like how sonically the song shapes together. But because that doesn't change very much, there's not a lot for, I feel, to say sonically beyond that. I actually had a little bit of an issue specifically with that. It goes right back into verse two. This, to me, was the first time the transition from chorus to verse didn't feel like it had that same flow and that same like breath mark of, all right, calm down. We're going to do something a little bit sweet again. It was almost... It was halting for as halting as you can really get while still keeping a very even flow. On I everything. disagree with that. I actually liked that transition, or maybe I liked what was added in verse two enough that I think it worked. I don't know, just the the way the guitar was kind of like layered in a little more in verse two, present there more so than it was in verse one. I think the that made it more result, palatable. The end result, I think, was better. But it was an extra guitar, rather. It was the transition that was that. First major hiccup I saw in a transition on this album. I guess that's maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm misremembering. Maybe there is a little more, you know, that is left to the general impression of this piece and this album that is keeping my memory a little vague right now. But I, I, I will recite one thing. I'll, I'll, I'm gonna try to get closer to that melody and explain why the melody worked here because I can't seem to do that in any other case. It, for one particular line that I liked uh, was. If you need somewhere to get out of the light, well, of course, bracketed context is, so call me up tonight if you need somewhere to get out of the light. And there are these moments of dissonance right there on that last line that I actually, I, I don't know, there's just something really about get out of the light and we'll go down the line. But also it was there in, in uh, the earlier verses too. I don't want your Wall Street, don't got no degree, written on the concrete, A-C-A-B. But... First, there was the degree. See, the first, second, last syllable of second phrase, and also last syllable of final phrase. Uh, the dissonant on degree, and also A-C-A-B. There's a little bit of sadness just in that single moment that I was just found particularly alluring. And actually, that was another one of those connectors to Death Cab that I got, because, I don't know, they always sounded they they did. They I, at least. I know they had a tendency to end their melodies on a note of dissonance yeah, yeah and yeah. that was that that's one of those connections that i kind of drew me in and that band is drawing me in here so it's still keeping me entertained for the most part so yeah that i guess that wasn't terribly descriptive in that case wasn't very specific to this artist don't worry we're still learning we're getting better Mel <laughs> i gotta work on melodies track 10 be nothing so i would say this is some of the most interesting lead guitar work we've gotten on the album because to me the lead guitar work on this track resembled a chime to me, like a wind chime, almost the way it kind of trickled um, through its notes. And I thought that was a really cool texture. It almost came off like a banjo, like almost, almost at that level. There were these tinny moments in the notes that, yeah, did sound like either a banjo or a mandolin. It had that kind of tinny nature. It was also something you said, specifically lead guitar. I yeah. think that might be the statement for this well, track. We've had a couple of other instances of lead guitar, but I felt like this is the most it stepped forward on the album. Yeah, because it's usually we, we'd like to talk about the lead bass. 
which I love those two words being put together. <laughs> well, the here, other... the other big aspect, to, to interrupt Steve here, the harmonizing. I don't know what the big aspect is anymore when it comes to these <laughs> tracks. Every, you're always talking about everything in, in, in small little you know deviations from the norm that this album does generally keep. I don't want to completely set off every track to be... They're all unique, but they're unique for subtle, subtle ways. And the subtlety that we get here, I want to point out, is the vocals. The vocals are the best harmonizing on the album. Okay. Just right up away. It's. Well, I it's, had a different one, but <laughs> oh, okay. sure. Mine was the vocals, was the way they were paired together. I don't know if he's doubling himself or if it is another band member or another vocalist stepping in with him, but it was very enticing. It was a little bit of a different aspect, a little more ghostly than, than most of what we got, and it, 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 um, it had an, an otherworldly kind of quality going to it. And what I liked also about the instrumentation here is because lead gu- guitar was doing some interesting things in the forefront, when the other instruments did come in, it gave a nice progression to the track. You know, nothing that was mind-blowing, but you could get a sense of momentum here that was way more obvious because of how the subsequent instruments did come in and kind of mesh with the focus. It was a little bit Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, come to think of it, I can uh, in terms of, uh, well, both what you said about the instrumentation, or at least the approach to a kind of minimal presence, I suppose, while yet accomplishing a lot. And I think another thing is because of the tempo, and that was my my big thing, is what set this apart. They all have fairly easygoing tempos, these tracks, but, you know, you can also, they can also fool you. Like, some of these tracks might be really high up in the BPMs, and yet they feel kind of ambling. This track, I believe, really did have a slow tempo. Of course, you could always just double count it, and then, well, you're yeah, you probably back up to a fast track, but I felt it very slowly. I wouldn't be surprised if this was well down in maybe like 90 BPM or something like that. I'm not 100% sure on that, but that's where I felt it. But, and here's another big but, as, as Steve started to talk about, I think we've been lauding differences when a lot of times a lot of sameness is popping up. There's a, a familiarity in a lot of the instrumentation here, specifically when the vocals are stepping out, specifically in the outro, where, thank God for the bass here, because otherwise I feel like we weren't going to really get anything texture-wise or melody-wise that really was standing apart from the rest of the album. There was so much familiarity. The, the instrumental, I thought, was actually one of the more unique. I, I think I that's think, something that I, this this track really excelled at. I think it was primarily the bass, though, that made it stand out. Like, to my ears, all of the interesting parts were in that bass. Hmm. All right. This instrumental, I think, could raise a little bit of a debate, only because... <sighs> I think it flowed exceptionally well. I I think that this is actually one of the better arcs of an instrumental that we've had in a while. Um, definitely not up there in terms of the technicality or like quality. No, that, that quality is not quality the right is not the word at all. It's just technicality. It's just you expect certain things from instrumentals lately, especially considering the kinds of things that we've been seeing. You know, I I this is not even. I'm sure it doesn't hold a candle to the intricacy and the complexity found just two weeks ago in uh, your pick, John, uh, All Them Witches. Yeah. I, I, but, and of course, that was also kind of a, in a more dated style. You, you don't, you, you have some of those threads here. You have it in a little bit of their tendencies, and again, in the mixing, but you don't, it, interestingly, I don't feel it as being as heavy-handed 
in this album as I did back in that album. That album, All Them Witches, A Dying Surfer, it, that was definitely more guided than a lot of what's going on in this album. It, it, this you feels, feel the hand in this album yeah. a lot a lot less. You, It feels free. It feels free to just ex- ex- explore their natural musical inclination. So what I liked about this instrumental, yeah, the bass starts it off, and then it's followed by this drum rise. Honestly, that's where so many albums would have made the choice to kind of just swing right back to the beginning. Yeah. I mean, like, ah, oh, you're going to do that. Ah, of course, drum rise, boom, introduce a new, uh, at least the top of it or the, or the chorus, the final chorus. But, like, that would be extremely predictable. But instead, of course, we introduce the guitar right after that. And the guitar kind of fills out the majority of this piece, the, the, the majority of the instrumental. The guitar grows and it gains steam. And then they're kind of all jamming together. And I thought every single section and introduction was very, very seamless. Granted, they're hammering home the four chord progression over this whole jam, but it was the arc of it that was impressive to me, not so much the moment-by-moment stuff. And I think that's the niche that I'm carving for where this album really excels. I do like to point out the positives. Uh, I guess I'm just not feeling, I don't know, I'm not feeling the instinct of cynicism today. Maybe that's my fault, because I see a lot of things that could be said about this. So I, I'm not, I, I am getting the vibe from you, John, that you're just not really feeling this instrumental, it kind of just washed over you as still being, maybe as, I'll, I'll even use the word dull, because I do think it can be said as dull as some of the earlier sections, because you're still in the same kind of deadened approach, every lyric is matter-of-fact, yet you still have those moments. It's it's just a subtle layer where I feel something beneath that surface classification, categorization, characterization of this this music. I'm gonna save my response till my my finale when we actually do the wrap-up. Alright. Fair I, enough. I have well, a reason. We're, we're almost there. Track 11, that's all for now, which... Yeah, that's a conclusionary track. Pretty on the nose. All right. But that that aside, I think um, I really love, and I'll go more into my uh, wrap-up on this as as we get to me, which I'll be last. But here also, this track begins differently from the previous, and I like that variety on the album. Besides that variety of the instrumentation, we also have varieties to the start of the tracks. Here, immediately, we're guitar and vocals. There's no intro. There's no leading in. We start this track guitar and vocals, they hit the ground running. And there's a sense of movement to this track that I feel like we've had in other tracks, but you really get the momentum here from the beginning. We also get um, a very steady bass. I did like its sonic scaping effect in its rise and fall, rise and fall over and over again. Uh, it It is the, the least punctuated of the bases we've gotten. It, it's, yeah. it's the background bass. It's actually supporting cast as opposed to primary actor on stage. Which I think is is a nice change. I think it does deliver less for the bass ultimately because it does fade in to the rest of the instrumentation a bit, but I think it serves itself well there. But a lot of the other instrumentation that's going on here is really kind of like what this album does. Yeah. So without the bass speaking, without the bass lead, it was it was an ending. It was a summary. It wasn't anything that was standout-ish for the album. And there was one thing that was, well, it was odd because it's actually taken something that's been consistent, the vocals, um, to stepping outside of instrumentation. But hey, the vocals are just as another instrument in, <laughs> in, in the Pantheon. And here, 
they they really I think sound dead dead not deadened but dead like it's it's part of the melody now right it's actually ingrained I forget what syllable or which word it was that was actually elongated but there was just like an uh, that like holds that note and then continues the phrase and ends it and there's something about that that I still think it worked with the melody it was planned like clearly that was the way this was written but it they're they're really trying the fact that this is the last track on the album i think that was their maybe even snarky way of saying like no we this is how we write and and i i wasn't sure as the last note for them to leave me on it made perfect sense that that should be the way uh the album ends is with that that vocal style exaggerated it was at a live show i just from this track i would expect them to you know, not come back out st- on stage after you know they're chanting encore, encore. No, I, I expect like just one of them to come out and go, no guys, no, we're we're done. We'll see you next time, and then just leaving. Like yep. I kind of would expect that kind of. I would expect that approach. Not rude or anything like that, but it's like no guys, we're done. Good night. How okay? Maybe even like that Ferris Bueller. Like what are you still doing here? Go home. Movie's over kind of a moment that stinger that they threw at the end of Ferris Bueller and Deadpool reused like it's it's snarky in its own way but it does leave me wanting more and I gotta give it to them like I want I want something more like give it to me so I'm gonna have to wait for the next album the framework of darky of snarkiness and yet they're all it's also in a track called that's all for now so I mean well I'm tempted to say that this is this track feels the most cliche of any of the tracks. I, again, I think there's kind of a wink and a nod to it, so I don't even know if it could be considered that cliche. I will say that the the standout moment, even on this track, is that the outro has that kind of Caribbean island feel, which is interesting, and I'm not, I, I would say only not out of place because I was already in a summery mindset. I was feeling Polynesians, maybe Hawaiian okay. or something like that. that not too- decisively, because no metal drums or something like that that is like the satirical evidence of Caribbean. I, but I've been on to a lot of Caribbean islands, and they often have I those. don't get the chance to. Oh, well, I need some a passport of us. Ah, yeah, you and do. money. Yes, you do. Um, no, but seriously, I think that that was a nice, interesting touch at the end of what otherwise might have been a track that bled into just being like the others, I think at least that outro moment made it stand out for me and continued to make it memorable. I'm going to be honest, Les, that section did very little for me. I I, I really was not that affected by it. I think it's more the fact that it sounded... Not that it sounded disconnected, but, okay, yeah, I get the island-y thing. I think this album was succeeding when it was being vague. Well, but see, that island outro is still playing the melody from the earlier part of the song. It's just on a different instrument. I just kind of the tradition of didn't what the album's done. Need like the last little bit of the album to you know go. Hey, remember summer, summer, summer. It's summer. Remember, but Either it that. might not specifically be summer, but just fantasy or let your mind wander or you know let your brain go on vacation. Look to me, final- it was one of the clunkier transitions in the album. But look at what the final track is giving us as far as lyrics are concerned. It's new regret. Isn't it funny how we forget? It's too late for that. You're off on your own. Used to be up for anything. You were the highway star and of all your spar. Keep moving on. Keep moving on. That's all for now. Nights that we forgot. Everyone wants. But I woke up back again. Hmm. It's finality. I mean, summer's over. In a, the Forget broadest that. Sense. summer's over. 
the dream of summer that we experienced right here, this magical place that we got. Okay, as as much as I've not really been into the lyrics of this album, they are giving us a period in that, okay, well, the, we're going back to school. Or And I think that outro, because it's kind of... It, it's clearly, you know, playing on that kind of music, but it is fading and it's fainter than the rest of the album was. It does lend to that dream kind of feel. Artistic choice is on par to yeah. to better than a lot of other things that we've gotten in other albums. Yeah, I would agree with John on that. All right, time to go into the wrap-ups. I will go first. Um, <laughs> Didn't even have to make them this time. No, yeah, I, I just... It's better to just do this like a band-aid at this point. (laughs) I think that uh, I I just want to take this album in as its own thing. I'm glad we had our discussion on the summer album because it absolutely can serve that purpose. Uh, And, you know, summer's on on the brain right now. At our summer solstice not all that long ago, we still got a a hefty chunk of summer ahead of us, although it will go quick. (laughs) Um, I just experienced this album in a very specific sense. I almost thought this was more about, not about anything. I don't want to say anything this album is about, but I thought it served because it was what I experienced quite verbatim, as I explained, travel. Traveling to me, it was was more about just traveling and thinking, and I thought it was useful for that. I don't know where or when you'd actually use the summer album, maybe very often when you're traveling to the beach or something like that, but there's also such a layer of depression in this, you know? Summer albums are, in general, pretty feel-good. You could be singing about experiences that are personal, but I feel that a lot of it is very feel-good material, or at least through that lens, maybe it's a little bit of a veneer. The only veneer that you get here is the fact that it doesn't completely commit to being an emotional sad sack. There's something separating this album from opening it up, opening itself up 100%. The speaker is not terribly open, constantly trying to evade the point. I really never got exactly what his issue was. It, it's You get it in doses. You get a lot of this like existential talk, be nothing, be nothing, all you want, all you want is I've never had nothing. He almost goes back on himself by, like, several different lines. I find all of this very interesting, actually, because, of course, there's not... Not every single person in the world has the sense of wherewithal, or rather the lack of sense of wherewithal, to just completely, you know, blah, that's me, that's me. Full artistic, um, of wears his heart on his sleeve sort of thing. That's not always good. I think sometimes there's there's room for just removing one layer and leaving some mystery to it all because you might actually get more perspective if you just think about the, t- the thing in broad terms. If you make everything so specific, so personal, so insular, then you're completely caught up in your own head and you have no hope of ever uh, digging yourself back out. If you do so, it'll be through your own terms. This almost is like a... a, a a group session. It's like a, hey, everybody, how would you deal with this scenario? Because all of your self-help ways are valid. Maybe I'm just putting too much into this album. This, this is all theory at this point, because I can't deny that when I say I experienced it from traveling, I'm really not even thinking of summer. I'm just thinking of I was on the train when I heard this album. That's it, right? That's where I was, and I liked it in that environment. When I brought it back, I, I still enjoyed it, but, uh, I, I mean, when I was sitting alone and focused but actually it really did excel in the i had one other thing to focus on 
kind of environment, you know, where you're just you, the, the driving. If, I know a lot of people don't like focus on the actual driving aspect, but it is a, there is a part of your brain, the subconsciousness is actually doing that. Uh, and I think that it, it, it makes your brain function differently. It allows d different, the plasticity of the brain and the neurons, I don't know, it just conforms itself to you. And I maintain that that is where this album is excelling. And that is just a completely personal thing because I do absolutely see other areas, other environments in which even I would be kind of bored by this album. But, but, let's look at what can be stated objectively, as we've been trying to do uh, more often. Um, sometimes we are actually too much on the subjective. This album has a fairly amazing arc. I think front to back, it doesn't, ch it doesn't make you check out. If you were never into it from the beginning, right, then that's one thing. But if you were into it from the beginning, I think you will be begin into it from the end. There's no moment there where you're just like, oh, where, what happened? What happened to you guys? It's, it's incredibly consistent. And, well, can, rather consistent when it needs to be, and shuffling the cards up just enough without changing the game in order to keep the game interesting. I, I think that this album is thoroughly a success in that area. The question is, of course, how, how often am I going to be going back to it? I think the answer is surprisingly, I don't want to say often, often, but I'm going to keep this on the, like, the short list of albums that if I am traveling, if I do just want some, no insults, no insult intended, but if I do just want some background music that has the capacity to turn heads, which I do not think is a low bar, then this album will be on that list. I think it's the kind of music that can be in the background and somewhere someone's going to be, hey, what is this? Really, what is this? And then boom, they've, they've made a fan. That's great for sharing your album around. It's not incredibly complex material though. It doesn't send me through a hoop of, there's too much vagary for me to get an overall concept. I stated the loose concept, I'm not gonna repeat it because it just doesn't, it's not, it's not tied together enough. This album is more about experience than it is about specificity, and that's how it should be enjoyed. The end, it's really just about the music. That ties into the open-endedness of the blank, white, off-white album cover, and I think it is, it, it, it maintains that, maintains that fiction, if indeed that is the fiction that this album is trying to cover up uh, in order to avoid saying what needs to be said here. That, that, that's a pretty interesting theme, and you don't have to get too complex with it in order to understand it. That, to me, is actually a very easy rating. This is a good album, and good is a four. It doesn't go above a four. I don't know whether this is going to lose its effect with me over time or gain effect with me over time, but uh, that's where it sits now, and I'm just going to leave it there. I'm extremely similar in, I don't know what much more I can add to what Steve said about the album itself. I just want to explain a little bit of a place where I'm going at this cerebrally. It's not hitting and firing neurons getting me thinking. It's, it's, it's hitting my dopamine levels. It's calming. It's, it's relaxing. It's, it's lulling me and it's leading me into areas that I still have to invent for myself but it's it's bringing me specific palettes to work with it's bringing me a specific landscape to try to sketch I just have to add the colors I just have to imagine it for myself that's that's a very enjoyable aspect but 
because it's not trying to get me to think about a specific topic or try to focus on anything individually, it's hard for me to maintain engagement. And that's something that you can do in ambient styles or relaxing styles. You can, you can engage cerebrally so that I'm trying to think about calm, which is, it seems self-defeating, but it can be done. This gets close. This, this tries to, to broach that topic with me and, and really try to get me to understand relaxation. I love it for that. But at the same time, first two times I was listening to this album, I didn't really notice it ending. And that, that means that I kind of stopped paying attention by the end of it. Because once again, like there was no discussion going on. If I don't feel like the, the album is speaking to me, I, it's hard for me to, to tell you what it's trying to say. Arc was great. Theme was great. The melodies are awesome. But certain aspects, like the way in which instruments are being used, like the add-ons, like the piano or the strings or the, the trumpet or the sax, yet they're, they have their own specific identity to it. But they're all being used in very similar ways as a creep-in effect of something that is bright and shiny and new that adds to the overall feel of the album. I like that they're using variety, but they're using the variety the same way. We're just getting different flavors in a very familiar meal here. I like this meal. I enjoy it a lot. I can eat it every day. But after a while, I'm definitely going to see it wearing on me and I'm going to want something exotic. So I'm in the same sort of ballpark as Steve. It's very well designed, very well done. The But... Little moments are missing. Those 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 chords that strike are missing, and the general engagement level is a little bit too low for me to go above a four. So I'm gonna be right there with Steve and keep it out of four. The funny thing, the chords it actually had moments where chords struck me. It, it, this album actually gave me a little bit of everything, but not enough of each thing, like. It's all too perfect. Fit the package just a little too well. I don't. I don't know. Let's let's get something. I don't know. Let's get some discord. In. Yeah, a- exoticism would have worked uh, in in a minor doses. I I don't think I needed things to jump out at me. So first of all, I, and I think we're downplaying it a little too much. There's so much diversity on this record for an indie rock album to have horns, flutes. Piano used several different ways. You know, all of this instrumentation that provides variety, even if they're be using, being used in similar functions from track to track, I still think this is steps beyond a lot of other indie and pop rock that we've covered on this, on this show, which is, I think, really important to me and worth acknowledging. Uh, it's not something that is out of left field as far as indie is concerned, but very few bands will pursue that on an album scale yeah and i think that that's where a lot of strengths from this record come from i mean again this is one of the few times where lyrics to me purely served as an instrumentation function i do like the lyrics and as i sat with this album more and more i did get more attached to the singing style and the actual content um but that aside i think you know i'm it's bullet points for me the arc is strong the theme is strong the instrumentation has variety the uh, you know i feel things without needing the lyrics and then when examining the lyrics still feel the same thing which is a thing that steve harps on as being a very important strength to a song that requires lyrics if you can get it from the music without the lyrics and then the lyrics just 
enhance the same feeling you already had, that's a true strength in songwriting and melody writing. That's a good point. And so for me, that's really strong here. Um, it's tight. It's tight, tight, tight. The last track is the only time I really find my mind wandering, even the slightest moment. Um, I understand John's lack of engagement at moments, but I don't agree. I am constantly engaged with this album. The way it makes me feel and it allows me to relax without having to, again, I, I, I put a lot of pressure on it maybe being right album, right time for me, but I am absolutely ecstatic to have something that allows me to relax and allows me to let my mind wander a little and engage in it that way. I don't always want to be, I love the new Flowbots album. Even though the rating was not as much as the previous one, Flowbots is something that you have to concentrate on. The lyrics are important. You know, the instrumentation is key, especially on their their earlier record that we did on the show. And albums of the like like that, that are focused on lyrics, have content, have a story to tell. I was so grateful here to allow my story to be the story it was telling. That transitive property that I can imprint myself on this album from start to finish, and that it doesn't take anything away from the artist's experience with this writing process. There's strength in that. And so I can't put this just at a four. I'll agree it's not upper echelon. I think there is some stuff, uh, quite a bit of stuff I've heard elsewhere, but I think it's done in a unique enough way here that this is a 4.1 to me, at least. It's just above that that four good rating because I'm getting a lot here that I haven't gotten in other places. I actually want to call you out on that. I think you should be higher. Oh? Yeah. I think you, I, you should be higher based on your spiel that you just gave. Yeah. I think I, I made it fairly clear where I sit. I mean, well, look at where we are. We're point one off. I just think you should probably be higher based on what your argument was. It sounds like it's hitting every mark for you. I know what mark it does not hit for me. You tell me if that's enough for it to be as low as it is. Uh, not the 4.1 is a low in the grand scheme of things. But, You're right. You know, we we call that 4.5 the upper echelon rating, where 4.5 and up is albums that you're going to be going back to. You may go back to albums 4 and up, who you at least acknowledge they're good in many ways, but there's always that little bit of concession that you're offering. I, but my thing, and this is the thing you should consider, is that I do have a tendency, this is personal, I value density in music. I value, I value intricacy. And I think this album evades a lot of that. I feel like this album with the intricacy that you value so highly, it would ruin this record. It's designed to be in the way that it is, and I think that's where its strength lies. And so... Consider just... There's an album that we did back in episode 92 called Arc Iris by Arc Iris. There is a familiar feeling and tone that I get out of that album as I do here. Actually kind of the same pace, same emotions. But that has the intricacy, this doesn't. I feel like there are ways to actually do it. I'm not without them becoming her. Of course not uh, Josie Adams, who's the composer for Arc Iris. But I think there is a plasticity that is a little bit too open-ended in this particular piece for me to feel the uniqueness of the artist. And I don't want to feel the uniqueness of the artist. I love that this is, this is my story that I've taken on based on what I've been provided. And so you're right, I should bump this up because actually you got me thinking that there's actually more here than I'm letting on, especially considering as I dive into the lyrics more, I find more connectivity and more specificity. So this is a 4.3 for me. 
this this absolutely and i appreciate you making that point steve because it actually reminded me of the other things that really sucked me in and john also bringing it up as well um john brought it up steve elaborated yep but i think that this album because of the lack of intricacy it gives it more strength which is something that a lot of artists cannot do you're bringing up Arc Iris is exactly the point of why I didn't really like Arc Iris as much as you guys did. You gave it a 4.8. <laughs> I did give it a 4.8. Something crazy. But I didn't go back to it. And it's because the intricacy kind of ruined my impression of it. And whereas here, this allows me to imprint myself, my soul on it, I find more of me in it and it allows me to connect to it Arc better. Arc Iris that is better. This is more enticing. And more enjoyable and something I will go back to more and more. And that's what is worth the other point too for me is the re-listenability and that every time I've listened to it, I've gleaned more and more. I've not liked it less. I've liked it more. Well, that I, I can't agree with what John just said in, but for me, but I understand yeah. that reasoning for him. It, yeah, illus- it illustrates how different we are. Yes. Uh, this album will serve a purpose. I, I, it remains to be seen whether that's going to hold up. I don't know. And I might actually absolutely bump this up a little more as and when we get it, to the when end of the year. When it hits October and I'm complaining about how cold it is out, I might look back on this and go, F you, and drop it down to like a three. I don't know. We'll see at the end of the year. If you this... drop it to a three, I will call challenge on that. <laughs> Just saying. I'll call shenanigans. No, I know this really was like sitting in ambiguous, like somewhere between three and four territory for me. I just I don't feel know. like put it, for you guys to put this on the same place as Flogging Molly wouldn't make any sense based on what you've said. You know what? I I honestly was ready to like totally lowball this album until I realized my problems and my complaints were being far outweighed by the good things I had to say about it. Like as I was going through it, by the time we hit track seven, where I really feel like I'm starting to lose the cohesion of this album, I'm starting to check out. I'm like, but there's also the, like, there's nothing threatening, you know. And sometimes I like to be provoked in certain ways. Yeah, and it's sometimes like, I, I don't. That's why. That's why it's. But for for my point it's of view, the same Steve, thing. That's why All right. Actually, let me correct it. I always like to be provoked. Different. That's a different <laughs> statement. That makes sense. I know that for. A fact. That makes sense. Yes. That like if I'm being honest about me. And that I makes sense like for your criteria provoked. then. So that makes perfect sense. Damn. All right. All right. That's... Let's uh, let's have our term of the week. Uh, term of the day, I guess, because we're we're on a week series at this point. Yeah, we're doing a word a day thing. Word a day thing. Yeah. It's like Steve's a calendar. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm a calendar. Sure, why not? I've said dumber things on this show. Yeah, yeah. What is an obligato? <laughs> I'm not even gonna try. I'm done. You go. You I go mean, first. I always go first. You go first. It sounds like a word. It does. I would say that it's a uh, uh, a pivotal or pinpoint note, an obligation, if you will, to the uh, the sonic turn of a piece. Not a note. Think Actually, broader. Uh, a um, piece. No, shush. Too broad. Uh, my turn. Too broad. My turn. It's uh, uh, a completing phrase that cements the end of a melody. Chord. Too, too narrow. Oh. Too way too narrow. Okay, then I'm done. I, got, I, I, I can find some middle ground, can't you? Between a measure, a measure. Is it a measure? Well, it's getting closer, but too too no, narrow. No, too you, narrow. You, I don't know. I don't. I feel like I didn't study. It's a section, and a certain section is a solo. It's a solo that is, yes, an obligation to the piece. Obligated, you are compelled, you feel compelled to have this solo. Usually is written in not as like an optional thing where it's like, hey, include this. No, this is central to a piece. Usually in terms of opera, this would be for an aria 
where you have uh, it's it's like the accompanying it accompanies the vocal part of an aria oh. where you have the vocal part but there's usually an instrumental along the side like an instrumental um, answer to what the vocalist said then an in, then a, a flute will come in and do something you know that works off of that but you need that flute there in order to kind of tie it all together like completing melody work and things like that as you're going along. Yeah. Okay, um, cool. I'll, I'll read one more little thing that is verbatim about this. It's an instrumental part typically distinctive in effect that is integral to the piece of music and should not be omitted in performance. I'm giving myself a point. I'm still winning. I was close. No. No. I was close. I gave you first you dibs started for with once. A Usually note. I start completely like out of left field. And, and it you, allows me to focus in. And he gives you half a dozen clues to it because I'm completely off base. Then you come in in there and to he's like... To be fair, I went first. You were still completely off base. Actually, no. I was closer than you. I said measure. That's closer. Yeah, but I said it was an obligatory piece. You said That was the main chunk note. of it. You said note and then you said it was song. Like you went from the micro to the macro. All right, whatever. So what are we doing tomorrow? Oh, wait, I get to announce that stuff. Yes, <laughs> it's your turn this time. Okay, we're going to end up our seasonal, I don't know how to term it anymore. We get confused by it. Our mid-season break for the year in review, but our actual Mid-season finale. Or our seasonal finale thing right before we do our year in review of ourselves as opposed to music. I don't know. We always have fun <sighs> on the 50s. You're being too wordy. Get to the point. Uh, we're going to do Electronica. Because we kind of have to. But we're going to do something that I was surprised is actually as close to this as it was. Because I picked this one before I really listened to your album. Mm-hmm. We're going to do ta- Down Tempo. Okay. Down Tempo is a genre. It's kind of like trip hop. It's related to trip hop in electronica where it's like slowed down, smooth groove electronica style. Uh, we're going to do the album Migration by DJ Bonobo. Okay. All right. Sure. Okay. Uh, someday we, like, I, I've already decided I'm never picking an electronic album because I don't need to. Between the two of you, it's okay. like that, that genre's covered. closed-minded. <laughs> Considering I did All Them Witches and Flowbots as my last two picks, like, yeah, I've but I brought Yeah, but I brought hip-hop-ish stuff first before you did. And I did Vangelis. Like, that is barely electronica, considering its way it's designed and everything like that. It's Vangelis. Like, he's, it's like, it's like the it's orchestral like, yeah. version of electronica. Yeah. He basically just, if he doesn't have an orchestra, then he's like, okay, don't need it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would argue I got, I got of stuff. the things you've brought on, Vangelis was the one I think I liked the most. So there's that. Yeah. <laughs> and Great. it's the thing that I've been pitching. You know, yeah. just, well, well right. I did it for you, Steve. I did it for you. He did. All yeah, right, did, enough. Did. I'm, sure, I'm sure our audience like loves it. listening to us bicker like a married couple, a three-way married couple. I think that's not legal in most states, if I'm not mistaken. I'm sure it is. Why wouldn't it be? Three-way? A three-way marriage? Well, that would be different, that's yeah, what I'm I suppose. Yeah, that's like, true. I don't think we have a license for that. <laughs> nope. Well, I mean, could we... Never mind. <laughs> I, I don't even know where to go with that diatribe, so I'm just moving on. Thank you for listening, as always. We'll check you tomorrow. And remember, music is life. And, and life, life is, is good. good. If you enjoyed this and other album analyses, topics, and guests, please subscribe to the Crash Chords Podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. For more media, also subscribe to Matt's one-on-one interview series, Crash Chords Autographs. To receive emails on all new content, subscribe at the top of our homepage. Also receive updates by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. And remember, keep the discussion going, because music is life, and life is good. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to share them in the comment board below each post. Otherwise, email us directly at admin at crashchords.com.